Welcome, masters and margaritas, ladies and gents, uh, devils and and what have yous. Uh, this is season four, episode ten of Book Record Beer, and we have a uh, a doozy for you this time. I am I am so excited, um, and I'm going to start with the introductions before I even talk about what we're going through. Uh, as always. I am joined here by my um, good friends, and we have an incredibly special guest today as well. Uh, but of course, Daniel DeFranco is here. Hello, everybody. Mick Gregorio, say hello. Uh, good morning, everybody. What? I'm tired. I'm sorry. I woke up late. I feel weird. We're good. <laughs> and uh, and our very special guest today <laughs> is um, one Bud Smith. Say hello. Hello. How's it going? Going well, man. Uh, great to have you. And um, this this is uh, pretty serendipitous. Uh, I noticed that Bud had just finished the book, The Master and Margarita by Mikhail Bogokov. Um, and so uh, we were doing it this week, and we decided to to reach out. And luckily, we were able to, to get it done. So thank you very much for uh, for coming on, Bud. Yeah, thanks for uh, talking about books on the uh, internet. <laughs> you know, it's 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 one of our passions, books on the net. Um, so yeah, we are going to be doing the uh, the Master and Margarita by uh, Bogokov today. Um, it is a um, a uh, one would argue posthumous masterpiece. Uh, he wrote it between. Uh, 1928 and 40 during um, Stalin's regime in the Soviet Union. Uh, and it was, you know, censored, published um, about 26 years after he finished it. And then a uh, manuscript was covertly uh, taken to Paris where it was published in its entirety um, in 67 and then again in the 70s. So uh, he never got to see it published but um we of course get to enjoy it we will also be looking at uh the murder city devils uh album in name and blood that is so good 2000 oh yeah um i am that's one of my favorites of all time i can't wait to talk about that uh and we will be i certainly will be drinking some north coast brewing old rasputin russian imperial stout make sure there's no poison in it (laughs) Well, I mean, you'd have to behead me, draw and quarter me, hang me to really... The poison's not going to be the it's only thing to take it. me out of. Yeah. <laughs> if it's old Rasputin, come on. Um, so in light of this, I'd like to, uh, to do what I do. And my intro for these gents will be uh, if I were to in- introduce Bud, Daniel, and Nick as posthumous masterpieces... Uh, who would or what would they be? Um, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. Oh. You, my friend, uh, would be a confederacy of dunces. All right. By Tool. Mr. Old Tool. Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for I, this. I, okay, so I choose this. You know, it's it's Usually it's you're very funny. Um, complimentary towards me, so. <laughs> well, here's why. This, this, little <laughs> this is why I chose this. It, it, you know, it is a dark uh, comedy and stuff like that. It's a little bit satirical and whatnot. But the reason I actually chose it isn't so much for the content as his assuredness of its greatness. And, uh, and I just, I can't help but think 
that that assuredness is something that you yourself also possess with certain things and i saw the parallel and had to had to throw well, it in it's true there. that so, motherfucker uh, has course, a swagger i don't to see him. you committing suicide if it doesn't <laughs> i feel like you're calling I, me a dickhead before uh, that's 10, what he's that's doing that's no, exactly no. what he's doing <laughs> Hey, you know, they can't all be they can't all be compliments, my friend. <laughs> all right. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I dude, I couldn't help but but think that because I don't I don't see you killing yourself if your stuff doesn't get published. But um, he he was he was uh, he was very strongly assured of his works uh, worth. So I got you for that one. Moving uh, on. <laughs> Nick Gregorio. Two thousand six hundred sixty six uh, by. Robert Bellano of uh, Savage Detective fame. Uh, this oh. came out, I believe, a year after he died. And uh, I chose this because this, the content seemed to just, like, totally fit with you. Uh, you know, we have this elusive author and all these unsolved murders, and it seems to be very pro-feminist and things of that nature. So Yeah, and when uh, it comes to unsolved I, murders, I picked that one for I'm you, definitely involved. So, thank that's you. Your, that's, your, that's your jammy jam. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I guess yours was complicated. And uh, Bud, for you, I chose uh, Camus' A Happy Death, um, namely because it draws on his work you know, at, at the uh, Maritime Commission in Algiers, and that reminded me of your memoir, of course, and uh, I think, uh, which is called Work and Available if you'd like to purchase it. Um, I, uh, I think that... It's out, of, it's out of print. Oh, is it? That book is out of print. Yeah, I, I misspoke. So. God damn it! <laughs> no, it's all, it's per, good. Perhaps it's good. we can perhaps we can petition for another round. Um, well, is is Double Bird still available? Can people purchase that if if they'd like? Uh, Double Bird is out of print. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go down the list. We we'll go. How about the novel? We'll go down. <laughs> well, the novel is out of print. We'll go down the list. Um, but in any case, that, that reminded me of you. Camus' uh, uh, Happy Death is, I don't know, a, a, a positive thing, which a lot of your work seems to have uh, that uptick there at some point. So in any case, in that any was case, the, my introduce. Nicholas Mahalik, I picked oh, for you, friend. Oh, boy. Jim Morrison's An American Prayer. <laughs> okay. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, okay. because you just got a poetry manuscript accepted. So congratulations right. on that. Thank you. Um, congratulations, And buddy. as your friend, if you die, I promise to put shitty music over your poetry <laughs> I knew and it was release coming. it. I fucking knew it was coming. Oh Honor my bound. Because uh, we've talked about how much I hate that yeah. uh, fucking <laughs> album. Yeah. Right. Okay. I actually, I actually kind of like it, but I know how you feel about it. Well, you're a man. You're more of a man, Zerikman than I am. I think. So there you go. It's a lot of. It's a lot of organ. All right. Um. Thank you. Well, let's dive in, gents. Let's jump in. So, uh, the the masterpiece. Uh, I would I would call it just because, you know, actually that's a good start. Um, would you guys? Uh, call this a masterpiece and 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 what are the sort of like qualities that you think make something uh, a masterpiece I think the the thing that I always go back to is also something from Camus and we've talked about it a number of times but it's that idea of creating dangerously excuse me you know his final his final lecture there um, and 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 if 
commenting on your time and really sort of like uh, in many ways taking to task the powers that be and, and, and what's going on. So I think this does that uh, and has it in spades, um, among other things. So I'll open it up to you guys. Like, uh, would you consider it a masterpiece? And, and what does one uh, need to have or what qualities make a masterpiece? Public opinion. There you go. That's true. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know his other work. I mean, is, is it a masterpiece, like, relative? Yeah. So Ab Absolutely. You know, what one might consider a masterpiece, another might not. But I think that we do have some things that are sort of, like, universally um, accepted as such. And, and you're right. Public opinion certainly sways that largely. But, you know, there's other critical works that, that the public hated or, or reversed that uh, – the public love and critics, people in the know, perhaps the, uh, the, uh, you know, powers that be, uh, didn't like. I'll, I'll submit Zeppelin's first album. It was um, I would like to make a comment, Nick. Thank you. Am I <laughs> anyway? Um, I would just like to say I think it's a matter of the the work's um, ubiquity after its initial run, like. In this book, this is the second time through for me, and in this book I, I read there's so much in it that you can read, like there's Stephen King in it. Punk bands have written about this record. Um, it's, it, I heard about this book before I even wanted to read it. It's just, it's everywhere, and it has been everywhere, and I think it'll continue to be everywhere. So yeah, in that context, I think, yes, Masterpiece. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Does it permeate sort of like all aspects right. of society or all different for venues of art? Yeah, it's that's certainly it. long. That's true. That. Well, that's why this was uh, so, bud. this was uh, this was slated to be our Halloween episode. Uh, oh, really? But uh, yeah, I, that's that's what that was my intention with all the, you know, devil on the ball and all that. But um, oh, okay. uh, in fact, the Murder City Devils last show was on Halloween. Uh, in 2001, I believe. Uh, yeah, so I, kinda, I, I, like, I was I was researching those guys because I listened to that album. I was like, wow. Uh, I don't know why you got yeah. So I guess we'll talk about that band later. But uh, yeah, the book, the book. Uh, yeah, I think it's a masterpiece. Sure, I, I read it and I thought uh, I thought it was great. Um, and then I kept learning more about like all the stuff in between the lines, which yeah. just made it just made it better. I think a lot of people try to read that shit in between the lines for like authors sometimes and like it's not there you know what i mean that stuff's just not there they're like right you know maybe you guys do all you guys teach like uh high school yep. english i think are you yes, guys all yeah so that's what you guys do for a living you like you know talk to your students about uh what f scott fitzgerald really means by the green light or whatever yeah. and uh <laughs> pretty much march through june just like all yeah <laughs> yeah and i think sometimes um well when i was in high school sometimes i really thought the teachers were just like going out on a limb with some of that shit but i think uh master margarita actually uh it's yeah. one of the books you can like actually read between all the lines of that stuff and, yeah. and there's like there's like evidence to back it up you know what i mean not just like oh i think f scott fitzgerald must have had a thing for like eyeglasses and this is what it means about the future it's like i don't know yeah 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 he fucking hated the lie jesus yeah, uh, yeah. so so bud your your hunch is mostly right sometimes you just gotta you just gotta get through those last 20 minutes you know, of a yeah yeah i mean all, all i all i do is uh just 
talk out my ass. So like I, I can I can't I'm not like uh insulting uh high school teachers. You guys are the best. But um Oh no yeah, I, I think I, I, no I think, no I think sometimes I think sometimes we'll be like reading like um I remember reading like Steinbeck novels, you know, and they would just say all oh, this shit about like what what was happening. I'm like, I don't know. I think this guy might have just been writing a trying to write a story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas I, whereas I think for sure, um, uh, uh, Bulgakov was actually like writing a, what would it be? An allegory or, yeah. you know, one for one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it was, it was definitely purposefully satirical and, and how could you not live under Stalin and, and, and be like, what the fuck kind of comic book am <laughs> yeah, I living seriously. in right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and want to fucking, take it to task or, or or just be influenced by it and uh you i mean i think you bring up a excellent point but like i think there's been many times where i've written a story or even like a longer work and put it aside and gone back to it and you know i guess that that high school teacher clicks in and i go damn man i wasn't even intending x or y but i could certainly draw from that uh or people, I, I could see that people would maybe pull that out and things like that. But the intention, the original intention, wasn't to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. But here, like you said, we have we have a lot um, happening, and so I think I'll give a summary real quick, just so we can we can then good jump luck. In and start yeah, a summary of what um, this book yeah, is about everything, <laughs> dude. I tried to do it last night. I was I was literally trying to like say like what would a summary fucking be and it took me forever but this is what I came up with um, essentially the devil uh, and cohorts come to Moscow under the guise of a, uh, a magician dealing in the black arts uh, to conduct a, a, a seance or like mass hypnosis um, this upsets most of Moscow mainly I, I found this to be pretty interesting like the entertainment sector is is what gets hit hardest here um, I think this is also Bogukov is almost like his vengeance on <laughs> perhaps people that have wronged him before and, and different things. And also when you dig in, there's a lot of other things happening too. But um, so, so intermittently we also get exposed to um, uh, just glimpses of these chapters of a novel about Pontius Pilate, which uh, one of the characters, which is <laughs> part of the title, but like surprisingly minor in terms of characters in a book, um, which is the master. He has written this novel about, Punches pilot and it's uh sort of like um you know put him on 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 a blacklist uh in literary circles in in moscow at the time uh and he has a lover named margarita who is a heroine or or anti-heroine uh depending on your feelings about the devil and um she uh champions the master's work and and she gives him that name and and uh in the end attempts to save both him and the work Okay, that summary. was pretty Sounds good. The, yeah, There's, I guess we're doing we're doing spoilers. We're doing spoilers in this thing. Yeah, we spoil things. Do. I wasn't I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. We're, yeah, at times we'll we'll spoil things. I tried to I tried to show restraint there, but um, I, I I'm not sure. Did I spoil anything there? I mean, you said the whole plot of the book. Oh right, right, yeah. But I I think <laughs> <laughs> I think like um with with this. I felt like, yeah, you can know that, but then when you get into it, that's really the experience of reading it is sort of like yeah. what you're pulling from it uh, and, and what makes it, I, I mean, the ball, I feel like, is such a great, great, great uh, scene and, and episode well, of it. 
Well, now they know there's a ball. <laughs> yeah, now they, so I'm just, that's. I'm just fucking fucking the pooch left and right here. Um, so so one of the first things that struck me, and I'll I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys, um, was all the citizens are like numb to this idea of arrest and 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 being taken or or people disappearing. Um, uh, you know, at one point, Margarita expects her maid to have been bribed and like to have uh, looked through her shit um, and, and whatnot. And like, this is, this is, I think the first thing that struck me probably because of what's going on right now in Portland and stuff like that, um, with essentially secret police and, and, and things like that happen in the U S. So that was the first thing that struck me was just like disappearances and, and, and the general sort of numbness that most, if not all the characters have to, being arrested to having to pull out their passport or their papers or whatever and and things like that so um that was pretty disturbing to me because as a reader you kind of like also take on that numbness to it um but at first i remember the first you know handful of times i saw it happening i was really kind of like taken taken aback and disturbed um at that so I don't know. Did you guys feel the, feel the same with regard to that uh, in the novel, or was there something else that struck you um, initially? Well, it was certainly a timely read. I, I thought the same thing you did with the secret police and the Gestapo over in uh, in Portland. Um, and what I really appreciated about this is that the translation I have really does a nice job of teaching you what the casual um, disappearances come to mean and then by the while you're into it you really feel like you're no like this is they're not just going away like these people are being taken um and that was a really yeah. nice job by the the translator and but yes i agree with you do you have that uh the 50th I do. anniversary I do. edition or? yeah 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 oh that That's is a great yeah, it's awesome oh yeah it's very cool yeah, it's, i don't have it's, that uh one. behemoth and margarita on the cover that's yeah. kind of boring in comparison. Most of the covers I've seen yeah, of the book are very, Behemoth. very bad, and they don't highlight the zaniness of it. Like, this thing is so zany yeah. that it needed a cover like this. You know what I mean? Look at that. It's, it's yeah. great. The citizens, just the ordinary citizens being taken was, um, again, maybe it's because of the climate we're living in right now. Uh, it was one of the strongest, I guess, social commentaries. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, all the other stuff, the absurdism and, you know, good versus evil and devil, like that just, that almost seems just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But when the citizens get taken, that's, I was like, ugh, supposed to be, supposed to have, be, be having fun reading this book. <laughs> and, uh, you're holding yeah. up a mirror, sir, 50 years <laughs> later, 70 years later. Well, and, and also just that there's a couple scenes where they're like, thank God the cops are here. And then they do, they do nothing, yeah. you know, yeah. or, or, or they, or they, you know, sort of exacerbate what's happening. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It, it does, you know, there's a, there's a definite tone that shifts when, when that happens. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, when people start disappearing in the book, like, um, I guess the first person that disappears is the, uh, theater director who gets sent to Yalta, yeah. which is like yeah. such a, it's, a, it's like, it's the first time someone disappears, but it's like, funny as hell too it's like oh well this guy is suddenly in yalta and you start to you start to really think about think about it in depth of of what it also what it also means like a a reference to just disappearing and and i guess like 
I was just looking it up. I guess I got um, at least a million people died in gulags, at least yeah. uh, under under that under that regime. And I, I don't even know the figure of, of like Stalin's. Uh, you know, sometimes I look it up and it's like twenty million, thirty million. Who knows? You just Dude, keep, yeah, keep, it's... you keep reading and it's like, oh geez. So like to compare it right now to what's happening in Portland seems like uh, kind of pathetic. You know, like uh, sure, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like the the protesters in Portland. Uh, I'm, you know, I love it. I want to, I, I want to see that the protests keep going forever. But when I think about like, you know, a million people getting locked up in gulags, and then I think about the city of Portland and like some scumbag cops. Uh, maybe it's like step one, and you read a book like this to to become aware of like what step sixty is. Right. Yeah, you right. know that's, what I mean? That's where yeah, mine, at. I, like, mine as well. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you can't ignore. Well, yeah, the unmarked that that's the thing that's been that's been uh, I, I think sticking most of me to is is the unmarked vehicles not announcing yourself as a as a police officer like that kind of like, um, you know, just sort of like unidentified people putting up people in unidentified yeah. vehicles and, and the, the lack of accountability there is, I think, like you said, yeah. step one of what if you can get away with that, uh, who's to say that that it can't escalate to. Like yeah, yeah. As long there. as like. As long as uh, our current regime figures out a way to like do step two, which is like get rid of Twitter, you know what I mean, or get rid of people's camera phones. Right. If they can, if they can do step two <laughs> and three, the camera phones and Twitter, then then you can, then they can eventually build gulags, you know. But until yeah. then, all we have is our like industrial prison system, uh, which is just as fucked up, probably, but uh, in in a different way, I guess, or maybe not. Maybe. You, you, what do you guys think? I well, I, I think. It's the it's the brazenness that really separates it, right? It's it's the the fact that we have a sheen of like, I don't know, um, accountability uh, or or some sort of like process for why people end up there. Whereas you know in the in the Soviet Union that we're talking about, there there really wasn't. It was it was very on a whim, whim very haphazard. It was it was and and a lot of times the thing that that I'm noticing is when it's reactionary um or, or or from vengeance or something like that which you know uh that's where we start to get into this place of it's it's not necessarily um justice um that's happening and and with our industrial prison complex the fact that people are profiting from it that we have for-profit prisons is i think pretty fucking crazy and and that it's essentially slave labor in a lot of yeah. in a lot of ways too that's that's um that's pretty fucked up and and you know we're given these images of, of as kids of in cartoons and shit of like you know prisoners in black and white stripes making license plates and whatnot like i remember that distinctly and thinking oh that's what happens mm-hmm. if you go to jail it seems boring you know like uh, i don't want to fucking make license plates or whatever um but, but yeah. like uh, but <laughs> and you accept it and and you hear that they make like seven cents a, a, a hour whatever the fuck it is and you're like oh well you know what they're not doing anything else it seems like a benefit as a child that's how it kind of seems and then you get older and you go out oh, yeah as a, as a child as a child too you're like well I get, if i go to jail I'll just escape me and my friends will just escape from jail so <laughs> right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what he gets <laughs> i remember <laughs> so i just watched but, um but my mom no, no, that's good. My mom worked um, at a juvenile justice center for her entire career. I worked there for a while. I taught in juvenile justice. And when I was a kid, we used to drive by and there'd be kids outside and they'd be playing football or something. And I would say, oh, that's the bad boy school. And my mom was like, don't ever say that. 
Never say that about them. Right. Um, they're not here for any reason that you would think, and they shouldn't be here in most cases. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Um, and then I started, you know, being a human and realizing that these kids are being bussed <laughs> uh, onto this property and being locked there. And the truth, the sad truth about it is, like, they get there for a, a, a bullshit reason, but they really needed to be away from what they were doing or they would end up dead. And it, it's just this mishmash of horror. Um, so Yeah. Well, sometimes there's also Pennsylvania has a, a terrible history of uh, selling yes. children to these for profit prisons, you know, and trumping up the charges. So a kid with a, a, a fucking eighth of weed is getting 17 years and shit like that. You know, the the, the middle of Pennsylvania, yeah. that that was rampant. I mean, I think didn't the judge just well, there's go to a, jail for that finally. Yeah, I think so. But there's actually a judge in Philly that. When a kid would be in there for a minor charge and he would make the kid count the eyelets on his shoes and send him up for that many years or that many months, excuse me. Well, I mean, that's that that's in that a nightmare. That's crazy. A nightmare. That sounds like farce. <clears throat> yeah, Jesus. All right. Well, um, to, to jump back, uh, one uh, starts to notice as we're going through as well, all these um, references to uh to Faust and and there's uh what like um uh a play right that was sort of like a a really strong inspiration for this and so um you know I'm familiar with that I think you know everybody uh Daniel I'm looking at you especially is familiar with this idea of uh selling one's soul to the devil you know for uh for some sort of um usually artistic I, I have uh, a minor acquaintance game. with uh <laughs> the idea <laughs> yeah uh, good old Robert J. Um, but so my question is, um, and this is one that I actually was talking to my student about a little bit. Like, would one have to be like acquainted with Faust to to read and and but as you put it, like see see those things in between um, that are going on in Master Margarita, or can we can we take it at face value and and uh, as a as a standalone piece that you don't need to accompany Faust with? Uh, I didn't think that you need to know anything about anything to read this book. I mean, you can just know basic folklore about about the devil and 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 Jesus too. I guess helps, right? The folklore yeah. of Jesus, the folklore of the devil. But it's like um, afterwards, you can you can go and and like study it a little bit and see and see how everything lined up. Like I, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about the, uh, the structure of what was going on behind uh, in Stalin's like Soviet Union. Uh, a little bit, you know, you know, a little bit about it. I knew a little bit about it, but going back and reading it uh, was interesting. And like learning more and more about Bolgatov, like burning the manuscripts, uh, yeah. multiple, and that stuff all lines up great. But like your question about, do you need to know, do you need to know Faust? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think this, this works as its own Faust. If you just read it, this, yep. this could be your first um, introduction to that, you know? It, exactly, it takes yeah. it takes a lot of stuff from that in a way. I think I think if this book came out today, it might it might get lambasted a little bit for that, for yeah. taking too many too many parallels from another piece of art where someone would say, "Listen, just can't you do your own thing?" Mm-hmm. You right. Know, in a way, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I love that idea of discovering something else by a vehicle that you enjoy, um, because I I would argue. That, that sometimes the the thing that's that's you know taking from something else um, at times can do it better, uh, and I, th- this I think is a great example of that. Frankly, um, 
because you know I'm not really an opperman either. Uh, but I, I think that just like the, the modernist writing and, and, and the way that he weaves the tale, like I, to, to be laughing and then to be struck with this, you know, sort of idea of the overwhelming guilt that a character, a historical character, a real person like Punch's Pilot might be feeling, um, how he sort of like jumps between those two things. Uh, just so fucking well done. And, and a lot of, uh, not many... I don't want to say ancient texts, but the, the, these old uh, myth and, and different things like that um, don't convey that same feeling to a modern reader, I don't think. Um, it's kind of impossible, you know? We don't know every fucking Roman and Greek god so and all their backgrounds and, and all that to yeah. kind of get that. So, I, yeah, I think that's a great point. You, you know, you guys brought up an interesting point before about Robert Johnson, and you also mentioned Led Zeppelin. Like, that's the, exactly what I'm kind of t- alluding to. It's like, you know, you look at a band in retrospect like Led Zeppelin and you're like, oh, man, these guys are kind of scumbags. They just took everything yeah. that everybody yeah. else did and and kind of wrote the rewrote those songs from from England. But they might as well have been writing them from Mars. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you listen to like, uh, you know, late 60s uh, blues rock and uh, it's like, man, this isn't even from Earth in a way, but it's taking all the shit from Earth and kind of like doing something odd with it and interesting with it. And then in. 2020 you go on twitter and, and someone's like man led zeppelin are fucking scumbags here's the songs they just copied and pasted back then you know rewrote those songs yeah lemon and song like, and all that yeah all that stuff yeah you can just look at it and like so that's kind of like you know when you look when you look at this book from um 1940 that he'd been writing for 12 years however long it was keep repeatedly burning the manuscripts he but he keeps going back to that like original that original like folklore or folktale stuff and blending it with what's going on in his time right there and making it its own thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to, you have to, I, I have to applaud that. I think it's great. And, uh, I also don't think Led Zeppelin are, are as bad as people think they are either sometimes, even though they certainly did appropriate. Um, yeah. you can say that, uh, you know, Bogokov certainly appropriated all, all the, all the stuff the Hebrews had to say, you know, all the stuff the Romans had to say and mm-hmm. so on, so on. Yeah. forever and ever yeah exactly yeah it's almost like um uh uh, uh pope's um masterpiece paradise lost where you're like that that i kept coming back to that because i was like wow i really have sympathy for the or i, I kind of feel like the devil's the hero here in a lot of ways you know uh and i couldn't help but think that there might be influence there as well speaking the of that, yeah, margarita me- I'm yeah. sorry. In the Master Margarita, you said the devil is sometimes the hero. Well, yeah. At the very least, he's he seems to be not the the devil that you're meant to think of. You know, if, he never sends anyone to hell, right? It's always just like tricks, or and and if you're you're maybe if you're, you're a witch, if you're there, right? But yeah. if you're there, I mean, your your list of offenses to having got there seems pretty pretty uh, reasonable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like so speaking I, of that, like Mick Jagger uh, wrote Sympathy for the Devil based on this book. It's something I read, which I thought was kind oh, of funny. Neat. I don't know how no true shit. that how true that is. That's something he claimed in an interview where, you know, like that thought of, you know, having sympathy for the devil, literally. I guess and he was like, oh, there's a song title, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's my title. There's my title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, I had the unfortunate circumstance of having to take a class solely on Pope and, and, and I remember reading Paradise Lost and being like, wow, this is actually 
pretty dope because he just fucking does this shit and uh you know just flips it and in a lot of ways that's that's happening that's happening Nick, here too. you've you've said you've said pope twice and Maybe I'm yeah. ignorant. Didn't Milton write Paradise Lost? Are there Milton, two? Milton, I'm so sorry. I kept saying Pope. It's Pope's translation. Yeah, I'm like Googling that right now. Yeah, my bad. Uh, that that You're right. It was Milton. I took a Milton class. Fucking A, man. This is what, this is what happens when you do it in... Uh, <laughs> Don't worry about it, Nick. I've been thinking about <laughs> Bill and Ted's bogus journey in the scene in hell this entire time. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you we know, are. I, I was just uh, I was just reading a... a Again, last night about Bill and Ted's it's, bogus journey. Funny that you, you said that. I guess it's on all our minds yeah. after this book. The uh, one, one, one other thought on the uh, on Paradise Lost. Um, I just read the book of Genesis, and I was so bummed out that the Garden of Eden is like six paragraphs or something, you know, yeah. worth the text. I'm like, shit, man. If only somebody had fleshed this out, you know. <laughs> Which there's a good there's a good Mark Twain uh, a good Mark Twain version of it too. Uh, the Diaries of Adam and Eve, which uh, I recommend. Oh, no shit. It's really good. It's really really good. If anybody uh, likes reading about uh, biblical stuff in like a more intelligent way, it's it's pretty awesome. That's great, man. I definitely would be nice. into that. That's really really awesome. slim, really slim. It reads like a uh, a Richard Brodigan book almost. Like it reads it reads a little bit like in Watermelon Sugar. It's like very sweet wow. and gentle, but oh, also shit. but also strange and fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because this um, reminds me a little bit of like that jump that Vonnegut took from player piano to, you know, pretty much everything that came after, you know, where, where this this fantasy and this wildness is getting thrown in. But player piano is essentially like 1984 light, you know, um, so I, that, that can, I don't know if that struck anybody um, too. like just man, he's doing this in the fucking in the fucking 20s and 30s. That's pretty, pretty dope. Yeah, you have to wonder too, like, um, you know, that, that thought about did it influence Vonnegut? Yeah, maybe, maybe it did, sure. But also, like, if it had come out when it was supposed to, like, what yeah. that, what that first, that first shitty draft that would have came out, and then it would have influenced nobody because it would have came out too early, you know? Huh. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. And it might have gotten buried. Nobody would have ever found yep. it. You know? Shelved forever. Um, how many people are excited that they know what a fucking Primus is now? I was fucking pumped about that. <laughs> you hear about this fucking band? Never look. I never thought to look it up. And then Primus shows up 40 fucking times in this book. And I was like, oh, it's one of these communal yeah. stoves. <laughs> Which is fitting for Primus. It's just an... Yeah, it's just an aside. I, li- I literally... That and... and uh, how much how much Bogakov might hate trams just showed up over and over again. He's just dissing trams and riding on trams and you know, it's it's sort of like that, that new meme where it's like the 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 villain in the movie, the actual villain. It's yeah. almost like trams are the actual villain. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean it's funny you mentioned Anna Karenina because it's like trains are so romantic and like hopeful in that book in a way uh somebody i mean not to spoil that book but something bad happened to train too but <laughs> actually you know somebody gets killed with, with a with a tram and a train and maybe there's maybe there's a link there right <laughs> the russians just don't care for mass transit man they're yeah they're like well it. they're like what else are we gonna kill people with there's <laughs> there's nothing much around there's a horse or there's a train there or a gun that's all we got yeah 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 and uh i think dostoevsky has has already cornered the market on on uh public execution uh you know, firing squad. So we'll, uh, we'll leave them to that. Um, 
<laughs> so here's here's another thing that I I, I found uh, really striking was there's this moment um, when um, Woland the devil talks about getting tons of rags and stuffing them into the cracks of the floor um, and he says it's 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 because uh, mercy can start to seep through um, and then that that's sort of where we get this discussion I, I think this is where we see uh, Bogoklov start to tackle that essential question of, of humans inherent goodness or, or you know if we're evil or not um, and I, I don't know in the end, if, if it were to sort of like try and answer that question via the master and Margarita, are we able to? Um, and if so, what conclusions do we do we draw there? And you got some heavy hitters today, Nick. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the book. No, I'm not. Blame no, no book, it's good. Man, it's, uh, I'm just. I don't know what I was expecting, but like, that's a good one. <laughs> I, that was that was a, a absolutely fantastic um, just scene for me um, where where Margarita and, and and the devil are are, are speaking to each other um, and he says I was talking about mercy um, I just I don't know again if that struck anybody in I, the don't same know, way, that, that I don't know I don't know if you me. write a book like this without having some sort of inherent belief that somewhere deep down people are good hmm and and what I mean, do what? What is in the in the book to to like? I don't know. Lead us to because that conclusion. I'm not talking like what specifically is in the book. I'm talking about like the use of the, the purpose of satire, right? To 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 okay. to lampoon a regime that would have you hauled off and killed if they saw you writing this book and writing right. about it in such a way that you're like, if people read this, they'll get it because they are good and understand that people disappearing is fucked. Right. So, so yeah. it's the faith yeah. really there. Yeah. It's uh, uh, which is interesting. Cause you know, the Soviet union at that time, especially was completely like, um, anti religion, you know, uh, it was, um, I forget what the term for it is. God damn it. Atheist. Uh, 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 yeah, but there, there's a state, uh, a, I think like a state atheism or something like that. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. Like a, a state atheism or something that, that was uh, adopted in like a practice of the government. Uh, so are people good or people bad in this book? I think people are good in this book. Uh, most people are completely in the dark in this book. They, they, true, yeah. they just can't, they can't, put a, they can't put a finger down on, on what's, what's happening around them, what's happening to them. And uh, fantastical things happen to muddy that even more. So we have we have people who are who don't have the the tools to figure out of their how they even should react. But in this book, there, there's not the common person's not uh, um, doing doing just disgusting things to the common man. Everybody's generally seem like they're they're just they don't have the tools to even figure out how they should act. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could argue uh, Bogokov's like trying to say uh, those who do perhaps need to use them you know and 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 put it out there like if you're able to write like the master put it out there you know i mean because it, it's interesting he chooses to write about uh punches pilot and and sort of the guilt that he's that he's feeling there for having crucified a uh or you know executed a man who who he didn't think should have been and 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 that sort of 
is I, I almost feel like he's writing it to Stalin. Like Stalin is Pontius Pilate in a way. Right? Like like you're executing all these people who you know don't deserve to be executed and, and, and I couldn't help but the thing like this man has this power and he doesn't even want to be there. Like does he even like Russia? <laughs> you know? Um and and that kind of thing. I don't know. I was I was going going back and, and forth on that um quite a bit but there's all kinds of interesting stuff I was reading about uh, how Stalin was just a fan of this writer, how he was a fan of Bolkenkov's plays. He'd gone and seen one like 15 times. And he was such a fan that once Bolkenkov was starting to write this subversive shit where he would have been like a dude who was just sent to the gulag like everybody else, you know? I was just watching yeah. that the movie Death of Stalin. And, that like, was so good. There's that Holy scene shit. where there was, there was that part where um, all the doctors have been sent to the gulag and they, they, can't, they can't find somebody to save Stalin. Uh, or even try. So they have just, they round up like everybody who's uh, just left. Holy and, shit. and so like, there's that kind of, there's that kind of thing going on with this book too, where, I mean, uh, this is all after the fact, Monday morning quarterback shit, but like learning about like what a fan Stalin was of this guy who's like then writing this stuff. That's like, would have got somebody else killed. And he's yeah. just like, he's just like, nah, you know what? I'm not going to kill you, but I'm just going to, so I'm just going to make it so your shit can never be read. And to the writer, that's, that's like, honestly, you know, in letters back to Stalin, worse than death. And he's like, yeah. let me let me leave the country or just kill me or whatever. And he's like, tell you what, I'm going to make you, I'll, I'll let you manage this theater. Yeah. And, then, and then the author goes and manages the theater, which is kind of like, uh, it's amazing, you know? You keep reading this book and it's like, I'm going to read it again. Yeah, man. That's why I didn't, I didn't realize he was such a fan. Um, kept him alive and shit. That's... It's like mildly sadistic, but also pretty wild. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I yeah. So I, when you th- when you think about it in that context, I'm sorry, Daniel, but when you think about it in that context, where the devil of the book is Stalin, but the devil of the book is also a pretty cool guy. A, it's it. Uh, no, it's not a cool guy, but a, a person, a person who 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 has who does have flaws and does have good things about them on a one on one level, and that's all the devil ever yeah. does. He's just one on one with the, with whoever he's fucking with. Yeah. So like Sta- Stalin as like a figure, you know, we have all the data now. You can look at it like, you know, 40, 50 million people killed by his regime and, and all this stuff. It's terrible. But if if I if I'm not looking at it after the fact and all I know is this 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 devil, this Stalin one on one. And like all I know is is, is who uh, who they are in my personal life. Maybe I see the good and I see the bad. And uh, I see the humanity in the yeah. tyrant in the tyrant that that's a that's a really really good point it kind of connects directly in terms in any way my head of like that idea of an, our nature being inherently good or inherently evil like in a one-on-one rarely have i had an occasion where i've been like this person's a complete piece of shit in a one-on-one i'm almost always seeing the humanity in somebody you know there's like i don't think i've ever actually been like you're Jesus, like, what am I even? I'm, I'm in the presence of pure evil here, you know. I don't think oh, that's ever of happened. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always had, you know, working, working construction jobs, especially. I meet all kinds of just random people that come through, and, and you know, that first impression is always like, oh man, or not always, but sometimes it's like, man, this guy's a fucking scumbag. And then, like, you know, you hear the this little story that chases him. Oh yeah, he shot someone in the head, you know. And it's right. like, oh fuck, you know. And then, of course. What always happens, you wind up working with that person one-on-one on some job for like six to eight weeks. And uh, yeah, you hear the whole story and you learn the circumstances 
and uh, you get you get to you get to hear the other side of it, and it's like, oh shit, I accidentally just uh, uh, I, I, I made a bad I made a bad call on on this person who had something strange happen to them in their life, you know, yeah. not, not to. Not to give like some, I think we're you know, in the back of our minds. We're like, oh, oh, so Stalin's okay. Is Donald Trump okay? You know what I mean? I think that's, I think that's the next question. Yeah, is, that what you're, is that what you're positing was, here? Well, honestly, you know what you made me think of? You made me think of Brad Pitt's character in Once, in a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure, where yeah. he's he's totally blacklisted for having killed his, killed his wife, but then- Hey, thanks for spoiling that movie. No, I'm <laughs> only kidding. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, spoiler uh, cast. Yeah, this is spoiler cast shit. But in any case, at the end, I'm like, I'm a total pit fan at the end of that fucking thing that, uh, you know, and, and yeah, kind of kind of goes right along with it. Yeah, Good that's shit, like with, with the, the, the commentary on that movie, too. People are like, oh, well, why did he have to beat up Bruce Lee? And I'm like, well, maybe if you guys had gotten to know Bruce Lee on a one to one level, maybe you would have seen <laughs> you would have seen the other side of Bruce Lee, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's all it's I can ever think about. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how how can you measure your toughness if not by throwing the toughest dude into a car? <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, um, can I can I ask a question? Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So, almost everybody in this book is a buffoon, and they're yeah much buffoonery, and they're unaware of things and. When things happen outside of their comprehension, they kind of lose their minds a little bit. I'm kind of like thinking about Ivan for the most part here. Right, um, yeah. The people at the theater, like everybody gets taken for, like it's fake money, like the clothes aren't real. Right. Um, I think it's, in, th- in that case, it's, it's, all, it's all seeing what you want to see. You know, there's there's a perception that uh, Woland or the devil is is fucking with here, and um, you know, sort of like the lens by which you know people are 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 seeing their reality. You know, and that's that's what the devil's really fucking with in that seance or or what yeah. have you. You know, he, what's he what's he targeting? He's targeting their vice or vices rather of of you know uh, materialistic things and 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 greed for money and, and things of that nature and you see what you want to see so, so the question is why is he fucking with buffoons like to because he does he want to help them does That's he just good... want to reveal their buffoonery i mean are they even going to be aware of it or are they just going to be embarrassed and uh but now they've got a collective um kind of experience of yeah fuck that guy like we're still not wrong because fuck that guy I think the key to that is in the beginning of the book, in my mind, when, when we had this conversation on the bench, when um, Homeless is talking yeah. to the, uh, the head of the, the, the literary society, and they're so confident that there's no devil, there's no God. Mm-hmm. Man is alone. Man is man. So then uh, all of a sudden the devil shows up and it's like, hey, I'm real, and now I'm going to show you how I run shit. Just yeah. as, you know, we don't we don't get to see the other side of the coin, which I like that we don't have like Jesus showing up like, all right, I'm going to fight you, devil. You know, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe that's what the if there ever was an editor, maybe they cut that final chapter out there like, all right, naked <laughs> Volan, naked Volan to naked Yezua, like uh, going toe to toe with with raging, raging, raging erections, just fighting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so so we kind of have that we have like, which is the great thing you said about how any, anyone who's shown shown beyond the curtain into what's really going on. It goes insane. They, they either die or they go, they survive. They just go insane. And they're in a, they're in an Lose asylum. Their head. Lose their head or wind up in an asylum in the rare 
instance, I think there is uh, one or two people, but I guess they never realize that it's like, you know, really, really what's going on. They're just little, literal, they have so much buffoonery, they can't even go crazy from it. Like the guy who sent yeah. to Yalta, he's just like, I don't know, I'm in Yalta. I don't know. <laughs> it was yeah. a bar, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was hammered. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's I, that's true. I, it is. It, I, I think the the thing about him just doing it for pleasure, too, like that idea that pleasure is almost always associated with the devil in the ball as well. I mean, almost so much shit happens in that scene that would just be taken to task nowadays. And I love that it's the devil's ball because there's just, you know, inherent uh, sort of like sexist and, and relatively sort of like racist overtones and things like that, the servants and, and, and stuff like this. And it, it, it kind of all makes sense because the, the devil doesn't give a shit. Like that's the devil's shit. You know what I mean? That's, that's how he operates this. All, all the women are naked on the arm of a, of a suited man, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's, um, I, I, I thought that was just such a, such an excellent playful way to just like, showcase vice and, and i kept going back to he's writing it a hundred years ago um sure it, it was it was really that that was um i don't know i found it to be to be just so fucking well done and i don't know what i expected going in but that i just kept getting more and more um i don't know sort of like overwhelmed with the thoughtfulness of it i guess it was so well done I, i'm i'm waiting for the you know the shitty amazon tv um <laughs> show because like I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my god, is there going to be gonna... one? Or are you saying uh, no, no? I'm saying it, it's just prime. You know there will be. So you, you got you guys, unfortunately, with this podcast, um, are going to inspire some some just idiotic producer <laughs> to make a billion dollars off of this for an Amazon show or or something, yeah. or Mick Jagger will. Uh, the yeah. other, the <laughs> the other thing with with uh, just to talk about what the, what the devil is doing in this too. It's like I thought about it a lot kind of after the fact, of course, it's like, well, the devil's there on a business trip, you know, he's, yeah, all this, all this stuff is happening in Moscow, but he's just in Moscow on a business trip for the, for this ball, for this Mm -hmm. spring equinox, full moon ball, right? Uh, This once a year thing. So he's just in town, you know, (laughs) he's just, he's just there. So he's just going to, you know, he does what the devil does, what the devil does, wherever he goes. So like, you know, master Margarita is the devil in Moscow. And then, um, you know, the next week, the devil, he's got to go to uh, Cincinnati or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this book only takes place over a few days, right? It just takes place, yeah. I think it's just like three days or something. And yeah. it, it happens concurrently, too. It's like the, the timelines are all those three days across all timelines. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the flashbacks to uh, the, the Jerusalem and, and Jesua and Pontius Pilate, it's the same days. It's the spring equinox. And that's like the moon yeah. is, such, is such a feature of that. That we yeah. can kind of like, then at the end, well, I'm not going to talk about the end of the book. Yeah. I don't want to. God forbid. Gotcha. You know, look. <laughs> leave something to, to, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave yeah. something. I've, I've already fucked that up for, for no, I don't about th- all of it. But I don't think he did, man. The, uh, no, there's still plenty of great things that people can discover for their own. I mean, even just absolutely. the experience of reading the book is, is worth, even yeah, if you know like, everything's yeah. going to happen. So I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to read it again. Uh, yeah. very, so, very you said very you were gonna read another translation did you get to do that yet yeah i read the oh i i have it um right here i haven't read it yet i've i've read a little bit just see what the difference is i have this i'm holding it up for you guys to see oh, i've it's seen the, that uh, yeah. it's the grove one by amira ginsburg 
which um, I, I had heard it was one of the earliest translations, and uh, I thought it read good. But the um, somebody told me that it was missing chapters, which I, I don't. I think it was corrected later on, but mm. the, the the original stuff that was leaked out had the was the translations of the uh, censored Soviet stuff. And so when I heard that, I was like, um, maybe I'll read it again just to see if, if I missed something. But um, I started reading Crime and Punishment last week. I finished that, and uh, I really liked what the translators did. There were these. Um, it was Richard uh, Pivar and uh, Larissa Volonkonsky. So I got this one. Yeah. That's the, uh, the the 50th anniversary one. Yeah. And uh, just to see what they do, because I'm reading, you know, some of their other stuff, like Anna Karenina right now, and uh, maybe I'll read War and Peace, just to kind of stay in the wheelhouse of those same uh, translators and see what they do. Yeah, yeah. That, I, that's one thing that I found in teaching that AP Lit course, like a lot of these books are, are what we read and the translations make a gigantic difference sometimes, especially for like the ancient Greeks and stuff like that. Like, um, and that's actually what I was thinking of. I got all turned around this morning, but Pope's uh, translation for the Iliad and the Odyssey and stuff like that, it just blows away all the other ones. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like elementary compared to like an actual thing. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, great. yeah, it really does make a huge, a huge difference. So that's a that's a really cool endeavor to to, to find a translator you like and then kind of like go through what they've well, done. Um, it's one like of the that. one of the best things about the internet. <laughs> just asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, for Ovid, I remember for the Metamorphosis, I found uh, Mendelbaum, I believe, and his, his shit. And when I found more of it, it's just fantastic. So yeah, I agree. That's that's good stuff, man. Um, from a writing perspective, just to talk about that for a moment. The thing that most blew me away was how these timelines all did run concurrently. Like when, cause you get to the end of part one, which is like literally dead smack in the middle, like page 200. And I'm going, who the fuck is Margarita? When is this title character going to show up? You know? And then you see th- it's without missing a beat that her uh, story you know, runs into and intersects with the rest. And, mm-hmm. and it's because it's all running at the same time. Um, I thought that was so well done. I don't know if that struck you guys at all, too. But um, just from a writing perspective, I thought, wow, he's he's no wonder, you know, 12 years. He's keeping it all in his head, I guess. And, and, and all these different drafts of of how all this stuff's going to line up, because there's a ton there. When you think about writing something this length, it's got to be probably three times longer before it's edited down, you know, um, perhaps. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. That's uh, I know Bud mentioned it before, but that really that really struck me as as impressive. Yeah, when 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 writers and and even in movies, when 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 they manage to do something cool with time, that isn't just a trick or a gimmick. It it sort of like blows me away because I know I'm like I could never do that in a million years, and I'm upset with this book because of it. Um, <laughs> or at least to know from 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 writing how difficult right. it it's, is it's, or it's, could be it's difficult do. it's hard and um you guys can you guys could do all this stuff <laughs> Come on. All, you, all you gotta all you gotta do is keep rewriting the book and think yeah, about it and take your time true. you know i think there's a lot to be said about the book the guy had 12 years to work on it and the desperate yeah. the desperation of it never coming out it changes it too where like yeah if you're if you're writing something for for nothing for posterity for yourself 
it mm-hmm. changes a lot. And if yeah. if I hurry up and get this done this year, then it will come out and it, it'll be it'll change my life. But if it's something you're writing where you're like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna die before this comes out, <laughs> it it, 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 it cha- cha- it's gonna change it's gonna change what you put what you put That's down true. there. Yeah, intention definitely has a huge impact. And you actually made me think of another point I, I wanted to make, which is who who the sort of like objects of the devil's harassment are. And they're they're all writers for the most part. They're all people in the entertainment sort of world and industry. And, and, and uh, I wonder if it was just circumstance uh, that he chose to take that, that route and those were the, the people he he went after or um, if there was something else perhaps from Bogokov that's that's coming through there so I don't know if uh, that took you guys but it's poets writers it's you know, a lot of also a lot of writers it is a lot of writers and and also as a sub question uh, did you <laughs> the writers seem to enjoy this really luxurious like lifestyle kind of but at the yeah, same the time private club it's like the best restaurant it, in the Right. But at the same time, there's scenes where it's like it sucks, too. Yeah. So I didn't know what he was going for 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 there exactly. But that that struck me because it's it's so opulent. I didn't know if that was then, you know, hyperbole and, and, and he's actually mocking it um, because then when they're eating, they're just sweating bullets and it's like hot and, and sucks. Yet it's the best restaurant on the fucking planet or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, thoughts there. I, I thought he was sending up the uh, I, I guess the uh, literary establishment in russia particularly i guess moscow yeah because maybe because he from moscow there's a lot of uh focus on that so he wasn't accepted like his his works were not accepted a lot of people's were so unless you were like state sanctioned as like hey your your stuff is fine for the people to read here are your papers to prove that you are a you know a writer that's allowed access to this club um Mm. so i don't know maybe he was not maybe i mean i i think there's we could definitely make the argument that he was kind of putting a middle finger up to that uh you know literary establishment that state sanctioned one yeah i thought it was interesting he does all that stuff with the writers and he has the card you have to be you have to have the cards and there's even the discussion between the uh between the demons between uh i think it's alazello and uh Kouraviv. i think they're the two who go and they talk to the hostess and uh they raise the question where they're like hey you know what if we were Dostoevsky? Would you let us in? Dostoevsky, just like a, a poor guy from nothing, who who would have not not been a member of this club anyway. And but she says, well, regardless, you're not Dostoevsky, so you can't get in here. You know. Yeah. There's all that stuff when they when they they do the same thing with the theater, and they do the same thing with um, with the housing authority, which is which is definitely like pointed. And I, like I'm saying, this is you know draft. Re- complete rewrite from the ground up draft six or seven or eight or nine whatever whatever it really was you don't know like what this yeah. what this guy put in the right in this book where if we start critiquing like something like the the house of writers maybe that was a draft one thing it's like the obvious thing to do you know mm-hmm. and i'm, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. i'm thinking about this guy getting exiled to the back to the managing the theater after he can't make his own he can't do his own plays anymore so now yeah. This writer, this novel, exiled back into that theater lifestyle as a overseer and a manager, as a paperwork guy, and then attacking what like his new life of that in the book with Satan comes and disrupts the theater, proves it a farce, but also is tyrant is plays games and, and messes with everybody who's in that that kind of staff, 
it's kind of a workplace comedy in a way or a workplace horror story in a way too. <laughs> yeah. If you think about if you think about what your life is right now, what you really want and if you could never get it and instead you were sent to just a fingertip reach of it uh, as a as an overseer a paperwork guy and then <laughs> we're going to write a write a story about your your coworkers being attacked by leeches or something. That's yeah. uh that, that's what this is in a way, but the leashes are also kind of nice people too. Whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I'm picturing the, um, the like, uh, head dude at that one department. Who's just like a suit signing papers and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like he's got just, no body, right? He's just, yeah. Yeah. But the suits like filled yeah. out. He's just a, the, uh, the invisible man kind yeah. of, I think his mustache is still there. Too, <laughs> and he's right? a dick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> secretary's so upset yeah that's just hilarious but then um, yeah. but, but, but then he does such an interesting thing too because like um the author uh Bulgakov, because you know you're, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go after low-hanging fruit maybe it's not low-hanging fruit but like i'm just thinking about what he's gone through in his life and like with theater and with with, with the writers association and then what's the other big problem in moscow then you got the housing authority stuff all the corruption where you can't even get you can't even get a place to live and then all the, all the amazing shit he does with with the, the devil and his entourage who just systematically take over that that apartment and what uh and, and what that yeah. means as like a linchpin to it all make it their like headquarters yeah yeah, yeah i mean people are are killing one another to get to get a three bedroom apartment shared with other people everybody gets their own primus of course but like then uh they're fucking just like going going wild i mean the dude is like uh what is it the the uncle um comes in and his whole desire is to live in moscow even though he's really set up in kiev you know um and he's 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 kind of like yeah losing his mind to try and get in there that's that i i think it's just it's so well done and and the one other thing that he does kind of take to task too which i found to be interesting was this opulent um mental health facility uh the sanitarium it's really just state-of-the-art stuff all this uh you know really really it seems like modern approach and things like that but then when um the devil sees sort of the product of that we have ivan uh splits himself in two while he's there right he becomes one ivan it's almost like thought police kind of thing like he he changes the way he thinks and what he holds to be truth um once he's in there and then also uh you know we see the master is the that? devil looks at him and goes they did a good job on him or something like that and uh it, it made me think of that that whole idea of like how appearance can can change things so so drastically like um there's a if you're familiar with um uh Patton Oswalt the comedian when yeah. uh, when there there started to be all that outrage on on what words we use and and different things like that, um, he he made this I think really incredible uh, comment about how you know the people who are quickly changing their vernacular to to use those proper terms are often the ones that are saying the most fucked up shit, and uh, and he 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 pretends to be like a you know just a 
ignoramus and he's like you know what man i don't give a shit if you're if you're queer or if you're you know whatever you can do whatever fuck you and just like not using the proper terminology and then he has like he does like the state senator using the 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 right words uh and just saying terrible terrible shit just that sheen of of what something looks like you don't question it right you know so let me jump back to ivan for a second help me uh my memory it was many many chapters ago when Ivan is split into two, did he become yeah. good Ivan and bad Ivan or new Ivan and old Ivan? It was like new and old, like like one that, that knew what the truth of the situation was and then one that chose not to question it and and and, and didn't question himself, kind of. Right, and he was like referred to as like new Ivan, right? I believe. Yeah, he becomes the Ivan that, that no longer would write poetry. He would become, yeah. he is primed to become the disciple of right. master yeah 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 absolutely um yeah and, and i mean i i i love that that was just another thing that that, that stuck with me is, is is these ideas are totally present 100 years 80 years later um and I, that's one of the things that for me was always uh, is it a masterpiece how how lasting is the art does it have or touch upon these like sort of universal um truths uh, and it feels like it's doing that and i guess my, my last comment or, or thought was um if, if we thought there there was any purpose or if it was done purposefully that the the punches pilot chapters are are far more serious there's there's no none of this sort of like lunacy that's happening in the other ones um in the punches pilot chapters and if there was uh a, a reason other than conceit for that and I, I I really dug that tone shift. It um, I feel like it impressed the uh, upon the reader the seriousness, and the uh, the gravity of of those scenes and like that struggle that Pontius Pilate was going through, and um, and then I guess also the the humanizing of Yeshua, where he wasn't yeah. he wasn't like a miracle worker. I mean, he did you know cure a headache and he could do miracles he was just like a regular guy he was just like uh you know everybody is good yeah that was his only crime really. but you know believing that power is evil you know uh and the guy that's writing all the stuff down he's he's out of his mind he's 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 misattributing the the word of jesus is really what he's saying yeah 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 there's something that happened with like the you talked about vonnegut maybe taking cues from this i think volkov he's taking his cues from a source that's kind of lost to us in a way like we don't we like his influences and and what 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 folk tales and folklore Mm -hmm. and what modern novels he was reading maybe it's kind of lost it's lost to us a little bit but i kind of i was thinking about uh in ulysses how like james joyce he does a lot of satire in there about things that were currently popular in in dublin at that time yeah, like you, you know, you're reading those chapters, and you're like, "Oh, I, you have no, I have no idea that this is a uh, a satire on like uh, romance novels from from Dublin or whatever." Right. And at at that year, yeah. you know, so like that's lost to me in a way. But I, I guess that book survives uh, in one way. This book survives in a different way. When you talk about like Vonnegut and the tone shift, it makes me think of Slaughterhouse Five, like how he'll write yeah. the, the the bombing of Dresden just straight straight as an arrow. But yep. then it's almost like too heavy. It's like 
it's like just how you had the Ezra stuff. It's like too heavy, right? So he's got to yeah. balance it out with the zaniness. He has to. Right. Otherwise, it's, it becomes such a different kind of read, reading experience. Like we have, like in Vonnegut, he has to put those ridiculous aliens that look like plumber's helpers in Slaughterhouse-Five, you know? Yeah. Just like yeah. just like Bogakov has to put a cat, a giant talking cat who loves vodka and guns in there. Yeah. <laughs> he has to. He has to put that that cartoon cat in there Otherwise, we're just like, oh man, this fucking book about Jesus and Pontius Pilate, and uh, yeah. it's it's heavy, it's heavy shit. Like to to really ruminate on like the guilt and uh, and and frustration and and uh, lack of mercy in that part. It's interesting you brought up the mercy in the floorboards because we have we have like this uh, this lingering um, regret for not showing, not sacrificing what we would have had to have done to be merciful to this person who deserved to be crucified or. Yeah, uh, killed you know killed up on a cross in the, in the book, the uh, the fictional uh, Jesus in the book, as opposed to the fictional fictional Jesus in real life. Um, but uh, but yeah, you need that balance, and that and that yeah. balance that balance is what is what makes this a masterpiece. If, yeah. if if we had to really dissect it and why it really resonates. Yeah, it really is. It's it's. I think Bud, you put it really well. That 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 is what makes it uh, a masterpiece. Is that balance because. You know, Dostoevsky already wrote The Idiot, and uh, that's a that's a that's a tough read. That's a long read, you know, and that's not whimsical, and that that doesn't strike that balance. It's a great book, but I I would say I would read Master Margarita ten times before I'd read The Idiot again. Yeah, and I mean, th- this book's definitely uh, inspired so many shitty books that I hate. Uh, so that's cool. It did <laughs> it did that. <laughs> <laughs> or like a whole a whole style probably maybe it helped uh further um cement the birth of a whole zany style of writing that i think is uh uh not 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 the best it could be maybe that's the way to really say it there you go yeah we get vonnegut but we have to suffer fucking 40 others to get vonnegut i guess Maybe. All right. Um, I think we're running out of time on the book segment here. Um, Let me posit one final question. What is your? And I'm gonna I'm gonna answer first. What is your? So so you guys don't steal my answer. What is your top zany moment of this book? And I'll give you a moment to think. Mine is when Behemoth, the uh, giant black cat, um, decides to have a shootout with the cops. (laughs) Just pulls out a gun. Yeah, uh, I'll, 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 that's that's awesome. I'll give you mine. Uh, uh, the certificate or like hall pass uh, for Nikolai, who's turned into the hog when he like needs documentation to show his wife that he was somewhere. And Behemoth has them write out the certificate that says was used as vehicle parentheses oh, yeah. hog for, for and he goes i have to show the cops and my wife where i was i have to account for this time and so they write him this this satan's ball hall pass yeah um dude that fucking scene had me rolling you need permission great. for fucking everything man yeah yeah parentheses hog yeah <laughs> um i got so this is like tarantino zany but i loved when <laughs> uh, during the seance uh, behemoth rips the uh master of ceremonies head off and a fountain of blood <laughs> erupts from it and like everybody's horrified and then the head just goes right back on and he starts Puts screaming it back on. my head my head you know, <laughs> i love it he's screaming that for the rest yeah, of the fucking book it. yeah he is. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole book, the whole book is just kind of one zany thing after another, but it's done in such a controlled way that, you know, I'm, I'm along for the ride where I'm not, uh, it's not like I'm reading geek love or something where I'm like, okay, here's a book about some carnies and they're wacky, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so the, probably my favorite, my favorite zany moment in the whole book was when, uh, Margarita, um, is given this cream and kind of un- she unwittingly rubs it all over herself. I don't know yeah. who, who, who would ever give you guys here, here's some cream. And you guys just rub it all over your body and become a become a warlock. But she does yeah. it, and she becomes uh, she becomes a witch, and goes on this this just journey through the night that uh, I thought was one of the best parts of the book. And it reminded me a lot of some of the, just the best things I like in book when it becomes like um, very evocatively kind of pastoral in a way. We're like we're just going on this journey through like nature with the creatures of nature, and we're, yeah. we're seeing everything becomes. Uh, abstract and absurd in a way like the lights of the city just become like a like a vein of fire through the mm-hmm. night and we wind mm-hmm. up on the riverbank and there's all the the toads and frogs they they're like singing her they're playing music for her they have like a little party for her and then uh but to top it all off though um she winds up she winds up going to the ball she winds up becoming the hostess of the ball and then there's this defining moment when the when the devil thanks her for her work Gives, gives her her wishes, but but after the wishes, she's allowed to um, just go back to the way she was, and she chooses instead to, she likes this new version of herself and, and wants to be reborn as this new this new self. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, it was like how you know, like Don Quixote goes insane and renames himself, be, comes up with a whole new destiny and journey for himself. Well, I, f- I thought that was kind of great how she does the same thing. She's unwittingly goes on this journey, unwittingly creates a new self, almost to the point where she almost gets a new name, but not. She still stays herself, Margarita. Yeah, I was happy yeah. for her when that happened. Which was a, yeah, it was a really good feeling, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. There's a lot of tension, too, because I was like, oh, God, this is not going to. Nothing has proved so far in the book that this is going to well be great. Anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 then, uh, and then it absolutely does. Yeah, I, I wrote a note in that scene. Um, that whole chapter, uh, this is a fucking fever dream, and and when she flips over, I thought that was fantastic. The the image gets inverted, and yeah. she's she's upside down. I, yeah, there's that yeah, point. Well, well said. There's that point where she could she could have been sent to the insane asylum by the devil because she gets that wish, and and she and she chooses to to exhibit all that mercy. She's trying to free that yeah. person who's trapped in this feedback loop of waking up killing their own child every night you know yep. they had the handkerchief but she chooses she says no i want to free that person and it, it's almost like there's like a cause and effect from that where the devil's just like well shit i didn't i don't know i didn't see that coming okay you get another <laughs> wish you get another yeah. wish that was a good one you get another wish it's like it's almost like he, well done. it's almost like he's he has more respect for humanity after that somehow i don't know why yeah. it's like it was just like she had a uh she felt like she had an impact on this on this this volan yeah yeah like he had chosen so wisely he was still surprised by by what she brought to the table like because she was his choice right she was the only margarita that uh that was worthy i guess yeah that's awesome well done uh nice uh any other final thoughts before we move on to the uh the record here no thanks for uh inviting me to talk about this book yeah man thank thank you that was uh that was wonderful Murder City Devils. This is the album in name and blood. So this is, um, I think, in most, you know, sort of like 
critics minds and people who listen to this um that this is this is their best album um this came out in 2000 uh band was formed in 96 in seattle um I'd argue they're very much sort of like a classic rock and roll band and sort of their their uh, setup. They got the lead singer, uh, bass guitar, drums, two guitars, and then um, they bring in an organ player because they realized how often they were using that. Um, you know, they got covers on, on this album from Neil Diamond and the Misfits. Um, they were torn with like At the Drive-In and... Uh, Blood Brothers, Built to Spill. I mean, this is really up my alley. These are a lot of the bands that I listen to. Um, in fact, the guitarist Dan Galushi um, played guitar for Modest Mouse. And um, unfortunately, there there also is uh, many, you know, I don't know that it's ever been confirmed, but um, I know that uh, Spencer Moody uh, kind of hates Isaac Brock, the lead singer of Modest Mouse, because um, uh, there's this... this uh, claim that he, Isaac when they were touring together um either assaulted or raped um the uh the um organist for Murder City Devils um so there's that going on there and uh Spencer Moody is a huge um there's so many if you look at some of the comments under their videos on YouTube and things like that there's like a lot of people who are like um, there was a dude in the crowd who was messing with this girl and Spencer jumped off the stage and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and there's like a bunch of things like that. So I really like Spencer. I think he's a great lyricist and, and um, I, 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 I love this band. So uh, I would love to hear what we think, good, bad or otherwise. Um, but we're going to talk about In Name and Blood. Uh, one of the only songs I've ever covered is Idle Hands, which I think... I'm going to start with just because it's such a great connection uh, to the book, right? Because uh, these idols hand, these idle hands, they do the the devil's work, and uh, it seems like there's nothing really going on in Moscow, and the devil shows up and <laughs> Master and Margarita, of course, on business. But um, yeah, I think this is a fantastic rock and roll band. Um, they play fast. I love Spencer's voice because it is anything but perfect. Um, I really like his lyrics. They're this album especially are very um you know, evocative of of somebody falling in love with rock and roll. And for Master and Margarita, the one thing that's sort of like held and put up on a, a pretty high pedestal is love. Um sort of like, you know, the 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 Master and Margarita's love it, it's something that almost humans aren't even capable of. Um and and when it's there, it's really really precious and uh that love is sort of shown here for music in a lot of these songs. So um, that's my that's my initial initial take on it. I would love to hear you guys' thoughts. I love the hell out of this album. So, Nick, I'm always wary of your suggestions. You often prove, I mean, I don't know why. You usually have good things. But I saw a band I'd never heard of, and it was released on Sub Pop, like, you know, a decade after they were, uh, you know, putting out the uh, early Seattle stuff. And uh, I was wary. <laughs> and then the first, like the first notes, I was like, oh, what the, this is a fucking Mahalik thing. So I had to get my own head yeah. in my ass. And man, I fell in love with this album. I probably listened to it about 10 times. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to listen to it. It's going to go on rotation for the next couple of weeks. There is a... um just a pure raw uh, energy that comes across on this album 
that yeah. was reminding me of like the best of a lot of music that I don't actually like. Like, um, <laughs> so for example, um, like the Velvet Underground, I don't really care for them that much, but sure. I, I was hearing that influence. Um, the New York Dolls, like I'm, they're fine, you know. Um, yeah. But there was like that if it was done in 2000, and I think it's the organ, man. I feel dude, like dude, I fucking so love much of this band together. I love the organ so organ. much on this, and it, and it doesn't sound hokey, you know. I am actually a big yeah, Doors she's not fan, doing... but right, but this exactly. organ, it's 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 like it's it's fucking right, you know. Dude, she just stands there with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and looks like she could be anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. the, when she's playing, uh, she's but, anywhere else. And 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 it's just those those few notes and it and it it just I feel like it's the dude's rug from yeah. the Big Lebowski, man. It ties that whole shit together. I think so. And and just the final the final thought. This came out in 2000, right? Right. Yeah. Um I've got really strong feelings about the early 2000s music. Like, I feel like it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it didn't really have finding much. Finding itself? Of, huh? It was finding itself. I feel like there was a lot of uh, experimenting in the early 2000s. I, I, I guess. So maybe in mainstream music, when you think of bands like The Strokes and all the other the bands, these kind of glorified mm, yeah. garage bands that were, you know, they were mainstream pop acts that were parading around as garage bands. Um, right. This, it sounds like the real deal of what, that kind of yeah. polished sheen was trying to do or maybe it's yeah. what those other bands were doing and you know record companies said we gotta we gotta spruce you up a little for uh yeah you know. we're gonna put some polish on you yeah so anyway yeah. man i just I, I love that it just seemed like unbridled and um yep not overly produced i feel honest there we go there you go yeah that I, was I, a long you know, long way to get to there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i obviously agree with you there i, I you know i love i love live uh, stuff, stuff that sounds live. That the, like you said, the energy's there, and I, I think that that this album has it in spades, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't slick. Like the sound of it isn't slick. It just sounds like just pure fucking rock and roll. And uh, you know, I feel like that's been in short supply the past twenty years. I got. Uh, I have no, three yeah, things. I'd agree. Um, I liked it better when it was called Danzig. I liked it better when it was called The Doors. And I don't like Danzig or The Doors. So here we are. Um, <laughs> um, I fucking hate the Where organ. are you getting? I fucking hate the Where are you getting organ. Danzig? Uh, his dumb voice. Because oh, they, they, they cover the voice. His dumb voice. <laughs> this from the guy that likes everything. I know. Is, uh, <laughs> I was yeah. like repulsed by this. And it's mostly because of the organ. I really hate the organ. I hate really? it. And when I was a kid... Like the doors would come on the radio when my mom would drive me to school and she would be like, I fucking hate the doors and change the channel. So I, I have to assume that that influence came from there, but whatever. So so what's your original thought then on this? <laughs> you know what? Even when I hate something, you still try and make me feel dumb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really good for my self-esteem. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, if I didn't care about you, I would, um, you know, I wouldn't kid. <laughs> well, that's good. Thank you. No, I don't like this. I'm sorry. I wish I could. I don't. Yeah, let's let, let me. And it's the it's the organ. The, I find yeah, the, organ the organ obnoxious. Organ the I, I thought the guy's voice was like performative and stupid. 
and I don't know the the songs just to like the riffs were like little one note riffs and sad and boring I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like bud you're not um gonna be as complimentary as either I or Nick were (laughs) well I I think the organ was fine um I I think this is the a type of band where where these guys had had a band and they really needed somebody with some talent to come along and join the band and like take <laughs> the fact that they could that they could just pound out a simple drum beat or pound out uh, repetitive uh, power chord riffs that kind of didn't have any originality and like teach them kind of how to do something more original with it and kind of break into the actual thing that's behind the thing. Because so when I start looking at these lyrics and stuff, I'm like. Man, these guys needed uh, someone who could write a song to join this band, and uh, the guy could still sing, but th- they need like to get another weird instrumentalist. Like, it's great you have an organ player. Let's get something else in there to to, and hopefully that uh, <laughs> harpsichordist or something can uh, can write some songs <laughs> and uh, give us some heart and direction, um, because we just have a lot of uh, kind of bloodless, feckless uh, noise that kind of comes along, which I'm fine with. We uh, we were talking before about. Um, some great, some, some, well, you know, you mentioned Velvet Underground, which is kind of the, the father of a lot of uh, just garage music, but in popular garage music anyway. But, you know, you think about a band like the 13th Floor Elevators or how that turns into the Stooges or then how you get like Nirvana's in utero. They're all doing like interesting things around their, that garage form where they're, they're actually digging a little deeper into it, right? We're kind of like going from level one down to a new level of hell with it. Uh, on, this, on this album... And that's what I want, you know? That's what I want as, as a person listening to an album. I don't want to just hear track one repeated seven times. Something happened in the middle of the album where I was like, oh, here, we're on to something. And it turned out to be a fucking Neil Diamond cover, the I'll Come Running. Where yeah. I, I listened to that again, I was like, oh, this is this is good. There's actually something happening in this song. There's some kind of songwriting. There's some kind of... And then I was reading into it more. Uh, I'm like, oh, okay. So it's that's not their uh, song. Yeah. That was like coming, a classic thing when... Um... A Neil Diamond song. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I would look to a band like the Blood Brothers, who you mentioned, and uh, they came along just a year or two after this. But I think they are a perfect example of like how you can do something interesting and volatile with this this kind of music, instead of just um, uh, you know like I just I just think that that you, you certainly there's more opportunities to go a little deeper than just uh, what what we get on the album. And I don't I don't know the history of these guys. Did they get better? Are there other earlier albums worse than this? So this is our, this is kind of their last album because then they they quit um, on Halloween 2001 uh, and they recorded that album and it got put out in 2003 as R.I.P. Uh, and it's just a live album. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the things that I've always been struck with is um, this is a live band. So to, to listen to the album and to see them live are two uh, different things. I still get moved by the energy of this for sure. Um, but they used to do a thing where, um, they had their normal show and then they would do a midnight show after. And for like five bucks, if you had your original ticket or I think it was five or 10 bucks, it was like a beer. Um, you could go to the midnight show and then the midnight show was just madness. And it was fucking covers and their fucking fastest, hardest songs. And, um, I got to see them at the TLA, and I only went for the midnight show. That was the first time I saw them. And it was literally, do you know those big, like, 22-ounce beers you can buy mm-hmm. at a lot of venues? It was everybody in the crowd at 
different times, running up to the TLA bar, uh, buying one of those 22-ounce beers only to run back and throw it in the air when we were back in the, in the crowd. So everyone was covered, drenched in, in beer, throwing it at the band. Like, that was um, the energy. And I was talking to a dude who had seen them so many times. He was like, this is, this is you've actually, this is, this is the essence of the Murder City Devils where it's everybody just literally buying beers just to throw them up in the air and, and, and just be in the pit. Um, I, I, that, that's, that's a fucking, that's a great day for me. So I, uh, I, I, I love a band that facilitates that. And, um, yeah, I think that in a lot of ways, it's funny that, um, you have something so poppy like modest mouse and then you look back and they share the guitarist and, and Dan Galucci and, mm -hmm. uh, I wonder what the the writing sort of looked like to to your point, but like if Dan can clearly write that's, a song. That's I mean, that's a perfect example because Dan can't write a song apparently, and Isaac Brock can write a song apparently. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe but, that's but, it. But, but he, maybe you know, Dan he, doesn't get a voice, you know, yeah. in in Murder City Devils as much as. Uh, yeah. as the other dudes. Yeah. Um, uh, not that I'm the biggest Modest Mouse fan, and I think they certainly have sucked for uh, 15 years almost. Uh, but Yeah, it's been a long time. It's, it's, been, it's been just been, too, time. been too much meth and heroin and this and that with, with Modest Mouse. But uh, at one point... The speed will kill you. Yeah, man. At, at one point, uh, they, they, were on, they were on to something with... Doing something interesting with, with music. Uh, oh, yeah. Just to, just to break away from the... And listen, man, this Mercedes Devil Band—they uh, just remind me of, of, of. Well, play, I, I was in bad bands too. I'm not like saying uh, I'm a musician and I'm good, okay? But just of playing in bad bands with with those other bad bands that you would like uh, have to sit through their set because you were there at like you know a place with ten people there, and you're like, wow, I can't wait till this is over so I can go home. But this Murder City Devils Band would be like somebody you'd have to sit through. Uh, gotcha. To to play your set for seven people, and uh, yeah, I just maybe I had vicious flashbacks of like other bad bands from the same shitty time period of music. Maybe maybe that's what I mean. That, yeah, that that's uh, that's coloring the uh, the listen for sure. Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. No, I um, I don't know. I, I and and my my experience certainly started with with seeing them on on that tour, and I um. You know, these guys will tell you, I love, if a band, my, my mark has always been what, what you can do live is what makes you not necessarily what put, what you put out on the album. Um, but they actually, I think last year, 2019, they did a KEXPN, the Seattle channel that films um, their in-studio performances. Is everybody familiar with this? Uh, vaguely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they they had idols on recently, and and they, now that's it's really, a good really damn band, awesome. So, and it's funny that you say that because I don't I don't necessarily see a big jump between brutalism and and mercy. I don't Devils. know what you're listening um, to, but they the, sound uh, drastically different. <laughs> well, in terms of like riffs and and typical drums, they're they're very similar. The lyrics are different, but uh, the um that that they just played again and the uh woman interviewing was like asked spencer you know um are you guys you know plan on doing this and 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 record a new album doing this that, and the third and he was basically like the murder city devils is just something that that we we do when it strikes us to do it 
um, and and all of us here just just do this and we would do other things but I just um, basically Spencer seems to be the dude that is the Murder City Devils and the other guys play in other bands until the Murder City Devils comes back and plays again um, and so I got that sense from that interview and um, I, I, I read it like that and I, I certainly don't think that Spencer's a, a great songwriter by any stretch but I, I do um, I just love the energy I think I, I love it if it's if it's fast and and heavy and uh you know the blood brothers are a fucking great but i uh i always have to take a break from them because there's so much happening oh um, yeah yeah i'm not i'm not campaigning that the blood brothers are even a great band i'm just saying they're much more they're they're trying to do something and this band and my, my opinion there's a clear yeah evolution my, my opinion doesn't matter uh, like doesn't what really matter about you liking the band or not, but I just think there's something a little more interesting happening with like a band like the blood brothers who are just trying to do something new and do they, yeah. do they accomplish it? Probably not. Uh, but like, you know, murder city devils is the kind of band where, uh, you know, you, you, this has been happening for a long time. I guess this album came out a long time ago too. So I should just shut the fuck up. It came out 20 years ago <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm complaining about, I'm not doing something new. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right, bud. You're right. <laughs> you're, you're right on I will not argue. <laughs> this band broke up. Yeah. They don't not do anything anymore. They've been dead for 20 years. Yeah. Dude. They're dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely hear you though. Cause if you, if from, uh, uh, was it, um, uh, Burn Piano Island Burn up to Young Machetes, Blood Brothers are changing drastically, and the the organ takes different different approach and 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 has a different role in the band. And and um, you know, I think Young Machetes was their most accessible album for sure. And and you look back at Burn Piano Island Burn, and there's some stuff that's just pure noise. And we on the podcast we actually did um, the guitarist from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs is, is real good friends with the the singer and drummer from blood brothers and they put out an album called uh Womb city cool and um Headwomb city uh in some ways mm. actually sounds kind of like a few of the tracks on on this album oh uh, so they so they, they just gave up they were like fuck it <laughs> we, we, we can just get well, it we can go in the studio knock out an album in like uh 15 minutes and put it out <laughs> i mean i i think uh yeah, I think sometimes when you when you're entrenched in in a band trying to do something, there comes a time where you just want to rock. Yeah, you just a little rock. bit. Yeah. I see that. And, and cut loose. That. And um, I know I have a buddy who's who's in he's in a band with his brother. It's two acoustic guitars. They're sort of like that grimy folk punk, um, pretty popular. And he'll hit me up every once in a while and go, "Dude, I just need to fucking plug in." And, and just, well, can you play something real fucking fast? And we'll just do that for two hours. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm your man. Um, so, yeah, I definitely I definitely hear you on that. And uh, I, I think this is, you know, it's a wheelhouse thing. It's, it's it, Well, not wheelhouse. It's a, it's a, is it your thing or not, kind of? You know? Yeah, I think what um, drew me to this probably more than, um, I guess, Nick and Bud is I've been listening to a lot of, I guess, new music. Um you know, Phoebe Bridger's album has been on repeat for the past couple of weeks, um, among other things. So listening to this kind of throwback album from 20 years ago, it, it, it was everything that it, it reminded me of everything I loved about rock and roll when I was, you know, 12 years old. You I was going to say, and you love to rock. Power chord guitars, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. 
grungy. You know, it's it's definitely rock and roll, and it's would it, would have slipped my wrist if it weren't for rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so, that's uh, that's the essence of the album, I think. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a good um, uh, foil for you know current music, things that are doing new mm. things. It was nice to go back to something that was um, you know not breaking the mold, I guess. Yeah, and you can put a lot, a lot of polish on something in your basement studio now, you know. And, mm-hmm. and what what was produced, uh, uh, what was being produced, is is now kind of just the the norm, you know. That's just where you're starting mm-hmm. um, anymore. So it's uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. That's a good point, you know, in, in terms of like comparing it to to what's modern, um, because you know you got to figure when that album came out. It, somebody might have been talking about an album that came out in 1980 and that could have been fucking Zeppelin's Coda or something. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a terrible fucking album. <laughs> you know? and, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I got a John Bonham tattoo and I will not listen to Bonjo's Montrose. Yeah. Ever. yeah. You should have. <laughs> I mean, poor Tom maybe, but other than that. No, yeah, poor no Tom's right. Yeah. Yeah. A little um, shuffle beat will do you good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, I, I do I do all the time wish that there was like rock bands again, you know, uh, and there's there's yeah. there's not really that I've come across that are like rock bands. Uh, so, yeah, these guys were a rock band 20 from 20 years ago. But like, I do wonder what we could see today if people actually kind of broke through with it, you know, and not not only yeah. I'm not talking about like like we're saying home recording bands or like, you know, the band struggling in the van, and like just getting around and doing that. I mean, like a real culturally impacting rock, rock band, band again. Yeah. Like, yeah. is that going to happen there where it's not like, I mean, who's the last big culturally impacting rock band? I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you got? Like a band like the MC five <laughs> pretty much, but I'm Taylor saying Swift. like, well, that's what I'm getting at. Like Creed. Coldplay or something. Pe- people are like, yeah. yeah, it probably is something like Creed <laughs> Coldplay. These bands where you're just 20 like, years ago. That's, that's yeah. not, re- that's not, that certainly is not rock and roll or like, it has, it has you know to go what? in these splintered off directions towards like everything is just thrown in there and then it loses itself anyway. Yeah. So you have like hip hop elements or like there's a DJ in it or, you know, all of a sudden there's ambient noise in it instead of just being that band up on the stage that uh, yeah. writing interesting songs in like a, a rock and roll concept. Uh, it's pretty much lost. Yeah, that's a really good point because that same buddy of mine that I was talking about he had um so many pedals when we played in a band together and then years later when we first jammed again he was just plugging straight in from the guitar to the amp and he said he was trying to be able to play with the same sort of like veracity and, and ferocity i guess um but without all that extra you yeah know? and just can can i do it without all the all this other shit um and and it was a really he saw it as a challenge but now that you're saying that, that really that really resonates because it it is something that you know when I think of, of a band like that, I think of the Stooges, I think of MC Five, I think of these these bands that that were doing that. And it's so fucking long ago. And why, why ago. did why did those why did those bands do something interesting with only their instruments? What they what they were able to do is tap into something that was coming from other cultures, just bro- broadly and widely other cultures, but translate it just to those instruments. You know. They would yeah. take they would take something from Morocco and play it on the guitar. I'm not not saying the Stooges did, but you know sure, wh- yeah. whatever these bands were. Where now it's like uh, we're just like okay, we're Crashed. gonna we're just gonna yeah. throw samples in here and we're gonna just make a wall of different different things instead of translating it into like 
what those instruments can do in a rock band concept. That's kind of that's we're, kinda what we've lost. I think we're wading yeah. into like the state of the record industry. You know, like what sells and you know what I just don't see, I don't see marketable. artists doing this. I don't see artists doing this. Uh, yeah, nothing's marketable. I look at a band like Fugazi and I'm like, man, these guys are just amazing in my mind, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. But can can you market yeah, a band like Fugazi? Of course they had to no. Could you market? Well, they it? had to do it themselves. They, yeah, wild, they, you know? they did it themselves, they and, and Discord, they, they didn't even want to do it. They didn't even really want to do it. You know. Right. There's a great interview um, where um, uh, what's his name is talking about when they first realized they had to make records. They literally just bought a shitty record and took apart the whole thing to see literally like where to glue it yeah. and how to cut it and how to make it. And uh, I, that always stuck with me because I was like, yeah, fucking just just do it yourself because at the end of the day. You know, if if you're assured of it, you know, I guess back to uh, <laughs> a confederacy of dunces. If you think it's great, you get to stand by it and you just got to fucking do it yourself. Although had he self-published, I'm not sure we would have been talking about it. So, well, the, the thing the thing with confederacy of dunces, too, is like to have somebody to say no to you. No, no, no. Until you finally make it the thing that it becomes that that is right. that is the masterpiece. Yep. Yeah, the guy killed himself over it, but he, he, he kept working at it. It wasn't just like yeah. nowadays where like you're like, I'm a fucking genius, man. I'm going to put my book out. And then you just go on Amazon and click the button and it comes out. Or like yeah. you're a band and I have a band camp and you put your album up. That's great, guys. But like you have to suffer to learn how to do it. And you have to face right. great, great odds and, and almost atro- atrocity, attrition uh, <laughs> against your art. And that, that's what raises you to the next level. And that's yeah. you have to be willing to go all the way out of, on it. You're talking about a band like Fugazi who's like, Forming a record label, getting in the van, just driving around. Like, yep. it's all on the table. It's all on the table. Now you give me, yeah. like, give me a laptop and the same microphone I'm talking into right now, and here you go. I'm a band. Here's my, here's my link on my Twitter <laughs> to my band camp. Uh, yeah. You're not going to yeah. make it that way. You're not gonna, it's not going to happen for you. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> uh, a river runs through it. He gives his dad the paper, fucking circles it, bleeds it, has to go back fucking 20 times, and then he can mm-hmm. go fishing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's a good point, bud. That's the thing we've kind of talked about often on the cast is just the saturation of of all art forms for the most part um, because it's so easy for anybody to just put whatever they want. They can shit in a bucket and, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like this ba- it's like this band we're looking at today, the Murder City Devils, and it's not lost on me that these guys are from Seattle. Sub Pop puts their album out. And I'm, you know, I'm almost like, oh, cool. I wonder if this guy was like mowing this other dude's lawn. Hey, put our album <laughs> yeah. out, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Kill rock stars, all those. Yeah, that was basically the way it went down. Yeah. And uh, absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I, um, you know, I, uh, my my closing just as as always, uh, I usually judge a band by how they how they're able to pull it off live can you do it live and this was one of the best shows i've ever fucking fucking seen for sure um and uh it's interesting though (laughs) because you just made me remember when me and my brother played in in portland there was a band that sounded just like the murder city devils and we had to wait for them to play to play our set and i remember thinking you guys are just ripping off the murder city devils this isn't even good murder city devils and now i gotta fucking sit through this shit <laughs> they had like one good song and it sounded like a cover it was, um, it was a neil diamond cover <laughs> <it was> the, <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah no i um one of the best shows i've seen i i really do i love the energy 
any other closing thoughts? I'm on board, man. I, I, I like this. Um, even if it's, you know, I don't think everything has to break new ground. And uh, this certainly doesn't. But it was nice on the old eardrums. Good shit. I normally find something to like in everything. That's sort of my goal in everything that I, that I you know, read or listen to or watch. And um, I certainly wish I had more to say. Uh, well, I'd like to say if, if you're listening to the podcast out there and you're a young rock and roller uh, and you're a person with fire in your heart and you want to hit the road and do something amazing with your art in the context of rock and roll, I'm going to issue you a challenge today, young rocker. Contact these Murder City Devils. Show them how to play music, how to play rock and roll. Teach them. Teach them. Get that band together. They need you because this band does not know what they're doing. They have nobody to step up and, and create art out of this garage band power chord template. Uh, you need to be there. You need to be there, Neil Diamond. Show them. Show the Murder City Devils. Raise them from the ashes. And in 20, 2022, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing you out on the road. I, I'll be right there in the front row throwing fucking beers at you. And throwing nice. beers at all the people around me in the crowd and dumping beers on myself, puking and pissing my pants. This is going to be great. Awesome. All right. And uh, now let's get into some beer. Dear listener, you know it's very early in the morning, but uh, the cast must go on. It's... <laughs> it's a small sacrifice we make. I like um, I like that the the one guy that's got to go watch a child is the one having the beer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and you have no idea what was in that coffee. Yeah. Um so we are we are going to get into North Coast Brewing Company. Um their big thing is uh uh independent since 1988. So these guys are part of that uh craft beer movement. Um, they have been around as a, they started as a local brew pub uh, in Fort Bragg, California. Got some words um, on that. What's that? I said I'll have some words on that in a little bit. Sweet. Yeah, I know you like these guys. Um, and so the one that I chose is one that has, uh, I, I won't say haunted me, but um, it's always looking at me when I go to these bottle shops. And this is the old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout, which for obvious reasons was chosen. Um, and it has Rasputin, that infamous picture of Rasputin, like with his hand near his head mm -hmm. uh, on the label. And, um, you know, again, for anybody that's out there listening, uh, a Imperial Stout just means it's a uh, higher alcohol content stout. So it's going to it's going to knock knock me around a little bit. I think it's nine percent. You're going to bed early tonight. alcohol. Now. I'm so fucking jazzed from this uh, this whole cast today. I, I don't know. I got some energy, man. Might <laughs> go uh, go play some idle hands or something. But um, this is uh, this is down the hatch. Here we go. Um, living through you vicariously. That looks delicious. It is so good. And you know what's funny? I thought of it. Oh man, it is really good. So the as usual, because it's a stout, there's that maltiness. Mm -hmm the very beginning a little bit sweet um and unlike other imperial stouts i mean this is nine percent i'm not getting that sort of like mouthwash feel at the end that's just the alcohol sort yeah. of hitting you sometimes 
straight yeah that, that, that you get sometimes there's uh just a slight touch of it but it's really nice and sort of like a creamy finish with the yeah it's been a the, while uh, the malts there that one's it's th- it's it's dark baby yeah it's got like a smoky kind of gritty thing going on right <laughs> it does yeah you know what because it's yeah it's not it's not an easy stout or yeah. a really milky stout by any stretch you're it's, not going to want two of them exactly it's thin enough that you might be able to but you're probably going to be in a weird place yeah. um a, like a meet like too soon you know i mean it's great to be in a weird place he just got here that, he, <laughs> did he he's sleeping he in my in bed like that? um yeah so uh so what do you got for north coast uh daniel so uh christ maybe 11 years ago 10 years ago sometime in the distant past um my wife, then girlfriend, lived in California, and I, I flew out there, and we took a road trip up the coast, and uh, we stayed in Fort Bragg, and on North Coast Brewery, we hadn't actually heard of North Coast. Um, that's where their brewery is. You know, that's a lie. I think maybe I did hear of them. Doesn't matter. Neither here nor there. Um, and <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I don't really care. So anyway, they. <laughs> You, you get a flight of their beer, and it was twelve of them. <laughs> yes, it was that's a twelve my kind beer of fucking flight. Nice. Nicely done. That's yeah, awesome. I, I've got a picture that I'll send to you later on. That I took of that, and they were, you know, like four ounce pours, beers. which is like quite a bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is that like? Four twelve beers? of them is significant it's, for sure. It's it's whatever it was. It was nice. It's a and uh, what are yeah. they? The food that they had was um, a calamari steak, which is the first time I've ever heard of that. So it's like Ooh. it was this long, you know, strip of calamari because it was a calamari yeah. steak. And I, I always right. thought that calamari were like like I rings. You know, I didn't realize oh, that it, it was together. like a whole fucking thing that you cut up. It's a squid, baby. So, yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> so so the, actually, one of the most uh, uh, probably the more interesting thing about Fort Bragg um, is and we might have talked about this before in the cast, is that there's a beach there called Glass Beach. Yes, um, you have mentioned it's, that. It's yeah. super picked over now, but for a long time in the, in the mid-1900s, the people of Fort Bragg, and I guess maybe the surrounding communities, would go to this beach and just dump all of their trash into the beach, washers, glass, whatever. Um, and a lot of it got pulled out into the ocean. So in the 60s, right. early 70s, there was this movement to clean up the beach, and they got rid of all the trash. But what started happening is all the glass that had been um, dumped in and eroded, it just covered the whole beach. So it was like this kaleidoscope of these super smooth uh, like glass pebbles. You could walk on it barefoot. It wouldn't cut you. They were Sea they glass, were, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was beautiful, man. Um, so the main part of the beach when we got there in like 2010 or 11 uh, was really picked over. It was very sparse. But you had to go over a couple of alcoves over. You had to kind of like scale some um, whatever. Dunes? Yes. Um, and we found one little alcove, and it was truly one of the most magical things I've ever seen. I mean, it's junk. Wow. It's man-made. But um, that was in Fort Bragg. So I, I always linked that kind of magical visage to north yeah. coast brewery just kind of yeah well that's cool too because then you have uh, uh you can link it to master marguerite you got the, exactly uh, the uh yeah sort of like this f- you got that stout going to you fant- like you got you can link it to master <laughs> yeah, like, marguerite you got, you got <laughs> fantasy elements and you got your beard and he just got here it's <laughs> 
<laughs> your ship has come in. Yeah, no, that You're like uh, the drunk guy that, that goes to the bar cool. and pulls it together to order that first round. <laughs> you really <laughs> And now I gotta go make breakfast for my son. <laughs> it's lunchtime, baby. You don't know what time this kid gets up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it is almost yeah no uh this is this is fantastic i'll tell you what too um some of these imperial stouts i feel like have like the top half just sits mm-hmm. and is that sort of like more flavorful sweeter maltier creamier bit and then you go on and they're an imperial so you're you're already in it uh and you don't notice but it, there, there'll be that that sip that's like really rough Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not getting that at all, and I'm I'm more than halfway down here, and it's it's consistent, which I think is really great. You know, kind of like uh, nice Rasputin and and evil. Consistent. Yeah, North, North Coast. They don't do bad things. If you if you like it, and dear listeners, uh, yeah. try anything. And this is them. one of their this is one of their their um, standouts too. I think this is one that gets referenced a lot. Uh, the name of, of like it and the label. Big I mean, seller, but yeah. it's a big seller. I mean, yeah. this and their IPA, I think, are their two biggest uh, sellers. When I was doing a little research, yeah, um, yeah. Anybody thoughts on uh, on Imperial Stouts? This this particular one is uh, I meant to say produced in the tradition of 18th century English brewers uh, who supplied the court of Russia's Catherine the Great, um, and so this, uh, you know, as they say has seemed to develop the cult following of its own. Yeah. So Imperial Stouts, they can be they can be really bad. You can get a lot of really bad Imperial Stouts that are just loaded with, uh, they're boozed up and they're sugared up and they're just not great. And when you find a good one, like I imagine yeah, this one is, Nick. Is. Um, I don't see a headache coming. Like you gotta, you, that's good. Um, but right now, like the biggest craze is like the, the, the pastry stout, like stuff that's filled with yeah. like marshmallow fluff and peanut butter and chocolate. And that's all well and good, but a, a really right. good sweet baby Jesus old style imperial stout is where it's at. As long as they don't taste like soy sauce, because some of them, they really start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Although I why, did, I did used to suck on that? soy sauce packets at the mall when I was a boy. That explains No one's a lot. surprised. Yeah, <laughs> no one. That's why I suck my favorite thing. all the time. Crack it, duck sauce man myself. Nah, fuck that. What is uh, what, what what's your favorite beer, uh, Bud? Uh, well, usually we just like buy whatever's uh whatever's there in the liquor store. Uh, we have a place we have a place right around the corner from us that uh, it's like just such a shithole. So fucking bad. And like, I'll just go in there and like uh, be thankful. Devil's play. Just, just be thankful for whatever they have. So I usually like, uh, you know, I'll pick the best of what they have. If it, they, they got a okay looking IPA, fine. Okay, stout or whatever, fine. Uh, you know, PBR, whatever. Uh, I'm just, ha- I'm just happy. The best of what they have. Uh, other, other than that, I have to walk up. I have to walk up a different way. And uh, that liquor store is better stocked, but. Um, uh, I like to I like to give my money to the shitty place, you know. If that makes any kind of sense. Like yeah. the place that's better and has better beer, I'm like, oh, they're fine. But if I stop shopping at this shithole, no, I, I they're guess. gonna go out of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like supporting this shitty ass liquor store and drinking <laughs> and drinking beer that I don't really want to drink. They're probably like, man, we gotta get this beer in because that guy, that well, guy that comes yeah. in all the time. 
No, exactly. And then they'll we say, would get better beer, but he keeps buying this. Exactly, exactly. But I'll, I'll, I will go in there though, and the guy's really cool, and he'll be like, you know, kind of wheezing. He's like, eh, anything you want, man, I can get it for you. Like, and he means like liquor, you know, because like I'll buy like uh, some like shooters or whatever for like a mixed drink to drink with the crappy beer I have. And uh, he'll try. He'll be like, oh, you know, do you want me to buy you a bottle of that? And I'm like, fuck, man, if I let this guy buy start buying me liquor at his liquor store that I'm, I'm responsible for buying up his stock of vodka or gin or whatever yeah. the hell he's going to, I'm going to yeah. be like beholden. And it's just like a slippery slope of becoming a full blown alcoholic because I'm like, Dude. well, I used to buy a six pack <laughs> or two from this guy a week. And now I'm, I'm just locked in to buying like two bottles of gin from this shitty ass liquor store proprietor. Otherwise, <laughs> he's fucked. He goes under. So I've been trying to spread the word around the, my apartment building, like to please support this crappy liquor store to kind of like take the burden off of me. But uh, so far, I haven't really seen a lot of. It's kind of place too. I'll go in there, and everybody's like, they don't have any masks on, and like, oh shit, and like kind of like people from the neighborhood who are like just real down on their luck will hang out in this place and watch TV. So like you'll walk in and it'll just be like people like have brought chairs and stuff and they're just sitting around <laughs> and the guy who owns the place, you can tell he's kind of like, can you help me get these people out of my liquor store? They think they live here, but like yeah, he has no, it. he has no real power, you know, <laughs> they've, they've, the taken they've, over. T- they've taken over his liquor store. Yeah. They've occupied apartment 50. They've occupied yeah, apartment say, have 50. Con- exactly. Have you considered sending the devil to the uh, corner store? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him out and throw Behemoth in there for a second. Yeah. Dude, that's that's so funny because when we started the cast, um, we used to drink the Rolling Rock Ponies all the time. And we would, we would go through those. And there's a similar beer distributor right by Daniel and I um, that I'm surprised it's making it through this, Which to be one? honest. And I've been going there. Green Lane, and I've been oh, yeah, I yeah, continue yeah. to go up there, and uh, and that's where I buy. So I'll get you know Coors banquets from there all the time, and and I was getting the ponies, but the dude, <laughs> I went there and he didn't have it the one time, and the dude was like, yeah man, same thing, um, I'll get you a couple cases, and I'll order them like once twice a week, and you can you grab them. And I was thinking to myself, fuck man, there's no way, like I could go through a case or two of ponies if we did the cast for sure, sure. but. But I'm not drinking. We used to run through them. Fast. Yeah, man, the, the, the carnage on the table. But like, oh the, there's no way I'm drinking that many ponies myself in a week, you know. And and uh, and so I felt like I had. Well, you'd have to bring yeah, them to I know, work. Man, and it was like, just these seven thing ounce and... bottles just littering my household. <laughs> Two year olds picking them up. And, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, just, it's just the little things that destroy your life. I remember I had a uh, I had like a big a bad scratch on my eye, and I went to this eye doctor. Uh, this really shitty eye doctor and she thought I was like drug seeking but she was down for it like she was gonna <laughs> she was gonna no, write no, me a, just... <laughs> she was trying to write me a prescription for like you know uh, just some painkillers and stuff Percocets and like I'm like no I'm not I'm, I'm really like well whatever you know <laughs> I need medical assistance <laughs> well cause I, I had to come back for Do the you have a, a you solve <laughs> I had to keep coming back you know for like a checkup. she'd be like oh come back you know look at it again it wasn't money out of pocket but like it got to the point where I'm like is this fucking eye doctor really just trying to get me like hooked on like heroin so she can <laughs> I don't know that's a, <laughs> she, she's in bed she's in bed with one of the dudes that's at the liquor store posted up on a folding that's thing, what I'm saying man it's a corrupt town I guess I don't, they're, they're, they're coming at me from all angles here <laughs> A trickle down economics. Yeah, stay strong. 
<laughs> I know we'll have we'll have you on in in a few, and and you'll be looking like Bukowski and shit. Get a jug of wine next to you. Fucking, what happened to Bud, man? Face looking like Fi- a catcher's yeah, mitt, gargoyle. <laughs> just a complete utter gargoyle. In. He just yeah. gave in, man. It was it was that liquor store. He warned us we should have we should have went up, helped him out for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, yeah, this this is kicked in. This is uh, I am under the spell of Rasputin right now. And for anybody that doesn't oh, know, like, look, look up one. Rasputin. He's one of the most interesting that's, that's people eight, in eight percent, baby. And, and yeah, tell tell us. So because we're extremely social distancing on this cast. Uh, Nick has um, Nick has an interesting beer that he decided to drink with me. has has no connection other than the time in which we're recording. None, none. Other, yeah. So it's from Cape May Brewing, uh, obviously outside of Cape May, New Jersey, and uh, it's an orange IPA. It, it's it's orange juice. So when they released it last summer, I thought, why the fuck would I buy a six pack of this? It's just like orange juice that can drink too fast and get way too drunk. And then I realized when I had one with breakfast while I was down there for vacation, I'm like, well, that's that's fucking why. Because it's a mimosa it's a, in a it's can. It's a man mosa, as they and say. It's, it's a man mosa, yes. And it's excellent, and it's 8%, and I drank it too fast. So here oh, we are. Oh, nice. And so it's not, it's not a lag <laughs> issue anymore. It's just you and your man mosa. No, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, I, um, I don't know how, what – more to say about this because it is like very standard and straightforward and if you're in i guess i'll say if you're in the philadelphia area um and you've already checked out the north coast because we're trying to support as many independent breweries as possible um check out 2sp because they have an award-winning uh i mean every year i think it wins gold or silver in like the big beer cup or whatever it is um 2sp brewing has a has a uh imperial stout a russian imperial Mm -hmm. stout that wins it's every year since they've fucking started making it. What's correct? the name of that stout? I, I think it's literally called the Russian Imperial Stout. Okay. I'll look it up. Um, but I, I don't think it's all fancy because that's like the whole aesthetic of 2SP is we're not fucking fancy with yeah. it. Um, um, I like I like. Yeah, it's stouts. called the Russian. It's the Russian. called the Russian. Nice. Yeah. Stouts are great. It's probably my and favorite They're terrific style of people beer. too. My goodness. So. Is that because of because uh, of GERD? It doesn't doesn't fuck with your reflux. Me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I just because I love Guinness. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Well, Guinness is is one of those surprising beers because everybody thinks it's heavy, and it's not. Everybody thinks that it's very uh, high in calories, and it's not. No longer made with uh, what is it, goose liver or duck livers or whatever. I think plastic something. I'm not sure. But <laughs> no, it used to have some weird yeah, yeah, ingredient yeah. that they can no longer, because of humanitarian yeah. issues, <laughs> put in. Yeah, um, good shit, man. I've got a rating system. Yes, let's Jump hear it. it. Let's hear it. Right. Oh. So Wrap the her up. so the devil goes by many, many, many names. Uh, so I chose one of those many names, uh, Prince of Darkness. So the nice. Master Margarita is. Uh, I'm going to give it. I'm going to say seven and a half Prince of Darknesses out of ten. Right on. Um, we talked a lot about it. Uh, I, I feel like those missing two and a half points are on me, not the book. Um, oh, well said. Yeah, and I give I give uh, Murder City Devils, that album. I'm giving it nine out of ten uh, Beezlebubs. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> that beer, I will give. I like that beer quite a bit, but I don't think it's the best Russian Imperial. Um, I'll give that. Um, what's a good name for the devil here? Let's go with. Let's go with seven out of ten. Lord of the Flies. Nice. Because it's sticky, you know, it's sweet. The flies are gonna Lords of the Flies. Yeah, it's true, Lords of the Flies. So alright, I'm gonna give uh Master Margarita a, a a nine five um father of lies. Uh because and and the and the and the, the point five is is literally just um I guess partially on me and partially just the way that the book made its way to us. I think that had uh, Bulgakov uh, had his way, um, we'd have even more of a, um, I don't know, s- succinct read, if that's it. I think there's there's some things that in translation stuff are rough. But uh, fantastic. I will give um, a name in blood. Uh, <laughs> fucking, again, 9.5 out of 10. Uh, Mephistopheles. Nice. And, uh, damn it. That was, we mine. can reuse them. There's only so many. I mean, come on. And, uh, Just saying. and I am going to give this old Rasputin Russian Imperial stout, um, uh, eight, eight and a half out of 10, uh, Lucifer's. All right. <laughs> Just because it's, it's, it's really good, but it, it's not the best I've had. I actually like a little bit of creaminess. Fucking, I just drank a Paps coffee malt liquor thing dude it's fucking five percent because it tastes like it tastes (laughs) like you who with five percent alcohol that's what it is essentially uh so those are delicious anybody that's trying to get an early morning thing i feel like we're encouraging some untoward (laughs) sort of nonsense well this isn't a thing that's true you never this is one one not at 9 a.m not at 9 (laughs) a.m <laughs> All right, that's mine. Uh, I feel like all my fucking Satan names were taken. That sucks, oh, dude. There's so many. Reuse them. Who yeah, cares? That, and I can't. Yeah, but if I were to look up Satan names, the whole thing would lag. My computer would crash, and I'd lose <laughs> the audio. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can use Wallen three times. So, yeah, that's true. So I'm gonna go uh, nine. Point five, uh, Baphomet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. That's a good one, right? Uh, for Master and Margarita. Um, I'm going to go uh, a three. Uh, Mephistopheles for Murder City Devils. But that could probably be just me and not the band, Daniel. Probably be just me. Um, and then... I'm drinking crushing it from Cape May, so it's like orange juice, so that's that's a that's a solid five. Five! Nine! <laughs> eight points! <laughs> oh man. It is a nine, isn't it? An alcohol and yeah. and the rating system. Holy shit. It's an eight, so I'm gonna give it an eight. Wow. <laughs> All yeah. right, so Master Margarita, I'm gonna give it eight folktail Jesuses. Um I think <laughs> I think it, it it could have been it could have been a ten if uh if poor old uh, Bogokov, you know, if he, if he could have read some of the some of the writing that that had been suppressed from him, probably, I'm, I'm just thinking about all the stuff he probably didn't get to read that other people around the world were yeah. reading. Mm. Like he didn't have any, um, 
You know, oh, I get it. Yeah. You know, there's he's he had no chance probably of reading Virginia Woolf or no chance of reading Faulkner. You know, he, he's just stuck over yeah. there behind the Iron Curtain. But um, also it's amazing he did that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's kind of coming at it in his own direction, probably just mostly from reading ru- other Russian literature. You know, but yep. the the big the biggest knock against this book is it couldn't be influenced by something like uh, Madame Bovary, probably, where like there's poet mm. more poetry to the to the sentences. Everything, yeah, everything's yeah. scoped and cinematic, mm. and that's great. But it does kind of read like, you know, the best thing shitty old Neil Gaiman could ever do. You know, or like, <laughs> he's got a little Gogol though. He's got Gogol going for him. Yeah, yeah, he's got Gogol. You know, but um, so eight, eight folktale Jesuses for uh, Master Margarita, and I, I love this book. I think it's great. I, I, it's one of those books where like. You know, uh, I tell I'm telling my dad to read it and stuff because because I know even though he same yeah he reads like Clive Clive Cussler and treasure hunting and stuff, but I'm like, oh, you'll also like this <laughs> yeah. book. Or like the other day, my friend, um, she has like a 15 year old son, and she's always at because I I guess I'm the person to ask what 15 year old boy should read. She has she asked me uh, what he should be reading, and I said, oh yeah, he's gonna you haven't read Master and Margarita, um, the album. Yeah, man. Let's see this album, uh, Murder City Devils. I gave it 1.5 folktale Jesuses. <laughs> uh, man, I didn't really, I don't like these guys. I don't think they're good. And uh, yeah, I, I said that plenty of times. And and yeah, Murder City Devils. I want you to take this personally. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> just realize that you suck. Um, <laughs> and the beer. Is that the first time we've addressed uh, man. that we've addressed an yeah. artist directly. <laughs> We we've always yeah. skirted around Speaking it and, and Bud directly, just went yeah. and uh, awesome. yo know, the beers you guys are drinking I'm gonna give them ten folktale Jesuses too because <laughs> all I have over here in the liquor store is maybe I got some uh, some Rolling Rock ponies over there but I can't drink them anymore after uh, a bad experience on a lot of MDMA so uh, I, I kind of stay away I'll from do you <laughs> so yeah man that's 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 I think that's what we have to say about these this trio yeah. <clears throat> Good stuff, yeah, man. Um, um, yeah. So, Bud, thanks so much for for being here. And uh, <laughs> listeners, his books are not all out of print. Do a little Google. Get <laughs> no, they're not. any one of them that you can find. <laughs> hopefully, from a small yeah. from the small press. Uh, and uh, most recently, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the Paris Review story is fantastic. Check that out. Oh yeah, let's not forget about that. That's not out of print. You can see his fucking story yeah. in the Paris Review. <laughs> The Paris fucking review. I give Paris yeah. uh, ten folktale Jesuses <laughs> in the Paris review. Yeah, and Paris, I believe, in Paris was the first place that uh, the full, well, full manuscript of uh, Master Marguerite was published. How about that? I went to Paris last year, the year before, and uh, talk about a hard place to get a beer. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of beer in that city. I found out. No, sh- I've n- I've never been. Um, uh, what do they have? I always thought Stella Artois was French. Is it? No. Uh, I think they're from. Uh, they're from Amsterdam or something. Yeah. Belgium. I couldn't tell you. Oh shit! No kidding. Yeah, you can tell because it tastes like feet. That means it's from Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone was just riding a bike for a few hours. Yeah. No. Uh, I uh, I encourage everybody listening to um to check out our. Our guest today, I thank you so much for uh, for being on and and what a serendipitous event it was. Um, buy the buy the book, buy uh, buy anything that you think is is worthwhile from a independent or local small something that is near you, right? Just like 
we're supporting our local liquor stores support your local bookstores support your local record stores um especially uh i don't i think we i think now more than ever needs to be retired that that phrase i think it's uh i think it's about time but now we should be doing that because uh those are the people that need our dough for sure excellent excellent to see you guys i am uh i'm really glad that we were able to to get it together well done thanks for this guys yeah. lots of fun yeah had a blast had thanks a blast. bud i hope you do it again soon okay see you guys soon have a great rest of your day you too bud. yeah you too uh have a good trip man gregorio hit us with those socials yeah go for it yeah so you can check us out on book record at book record beer on all of your favorite favorite social media platforms you can check us out on facebook.com slash book record beer podcast on Twitter at Book Record Beer and on Instagram at book.record.beer. Don't forget, we're on iTunes and all those wonderful streaming platforms. Thanks once again to Bud Smith. We hope he can come back someday, maybe in person once all this nonsense ends and we can get back to life. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. See you next time.